0: This is Donovan Morningfire, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Wow, 66 episodes, so nobody's listening for that long. Well, I guess there's no accounting for taste.
1: Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCKSIM, and welcome to the Order 66 podcast, episode 66. Oh no, Gamer Nation, what have you done?
2: This is Hero of Time Beta, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because...
3: I'm on, I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat! Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a, on, a I'm on, a I'm on a boat! I'm on
0: a boat! I'm on a boat! Take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat!
1: Yeah. <laughs> and with that, this Order of the... This episode of the Order Sixty Six podcast is brought to you, in part, by our sponsors, GoDaddy.com, and for Inkjet.com, and by the generous contributions of Cat bullwear. with the
4: correct
5: B20 Radio, your game has rolled. Execute
3: order 66
1: This is Saturday, May the 9th, 2009, and you have joined the Order 66 podcast, and it is time to execute episode 66. Oh, by <laughs> the way, when we get to the end of the show, we will not be soliciting names because that is the name. Execute orders. execute episode 66 is simply the name of the show, and that's all there is to it.
6: Uh, fantastic thing welcome gamer nation as uh dave mentioned this is the order 66 podcast i am gm chris and for those who may have just walked into this room for the very first time this is the only fan-generated podcast entirely devoted to the world's greatest role-playing system star wars saga edition
1: yep by golly yep (laughs)
6: <laughs> Episode 66, man! It's a monumentous event, no?
1: I know, and we've got a tremendous show lined up for you guys. We've got some big-name guests. We've got some... Man, we've got lots of stuff, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. lots. lots. Lots! I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, let us get to the news. <laughs> Dang it! No, 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 no. That's not going to be the news at all. You know why?
0: <laughs> why?
1: Because I've decided that we're gonna try something a little bit, shall I say, different. I think uh, Full On Gamer sent us a a, a deal that um, we decided we were going to use for the Holocron. Have you heard this? Have I played this for you yet? Yes, you have. And you know, that being said, I I like it. I like it a lot. And um, I think
6: I, I think I think it's fair to let it pull double duty.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to, to pull double duty as well. And he kind of introduced it off the top of the show, so I think we're just gonna yeah, let I it so, All right. Yeah. So here comes the new news update.
7: Accessing. Ah, good new acquisitions. <laughs>
1: Greetings, gamer nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow NewsNet update. See, that's just pure win right there.
6: <laughs> I love it. I so, love yeah, it.
1: it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, yeah, pull double duty. Absolutely. So, news. All right, boys. DM Tim is in the house. What
6: up? We have Tim. Tim is in the house. And RFH is also uh in the proverbial hizzy with a brand new adventure, no?
1: Yes, indeed. Adventure number twenty, cooler than thou is up. <laughs> and it's all about the invoker. Dude, we're about to get to a hundred people in the chat room for the first time ever. That's great. Yep. So I
6: am stoked and excited. Yep. Very awesome. Oh, and uh it's not the chat room anymore, but we're gonna come to that shortly.
1: Yes, indeed.
6: And of course, dude, the holocron. What we got? Got, new, got episode ten up last night,
1: dude. Yeah, we we fired off a sneak attack. Now you know, uh, Vader's secret apprentice Sam Witwer is going to be uh, on our show and here in just like nine seconds. And um, oh, he spoiling it, yeah. But he's also <laughs> going to be on the holocron next week for episode number eleven. But um, Bioware threw us a little bit of a curveball and came out with everything about the trooper, the newest class that has been announced playable class for the Republic side on Star Wars, the old Republic. So we had, and along with the threat, threat of peace issue number six. So we had to jump on and do a little bit of reconnoitering there and try to get ahead of the competition. Since there are no less than four podcasts now devoted to, uh, the old Republic, we feel like we, uh, we've set the bar and we are going to continue to keep that bar rather high.
3: Dude. Yeah.
6: I I think the cast is fantastic. I think you guys are doing a great job. So it's awesome. Thank you. Speaking of other people doing a great job, mostly Joe has waved his magic gaming wand and gotten impossible people to get in front of a microphone yet again. Um, Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast uh, has released a new episode with a very special guest, Mr. Greg Stolsey. Uh, and you can hear him expound about his One Roll Engine and his new fantasy RPG, Rain, which I had the chance to play uh, a little while ago to Con. It was fantastic.
1: Dude, that's um, so awesome.
6: I'm kidding. I didn't have a chance to play. It. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> but no, I've heard it's. I've heard it, it's fantastic. Well, I don't think it's entirely out yet. There's very little out about it, but um, uh, it's everything I've heard has been very
1: good. So cool. Well, Game On, has episode 19, has hit the airwaves there for them. Look at that. They've been at it for five months already. Can you believe that almost? Dude, that's just amazing. Anyway, it's all about games on their proverbial wish list. All the games that they've wanted, and in some case, had in their hand, and then all of a sudden been been hit by the, oh, this looks cooler bug, and they put it down, and they never quite get to it. So... Power Grid, uh, Power Grid is on that list for me. I've had that game in my hand at least half a dozen times so have at the I. FLGS, and, been... and somehow it goes back on the shelf.
6: I know. I know. i, I still got to get it. I haven't had a chance to play it either, yeah. so I I really, I really want to. But yeah. yeah, I can't wait to listen to that. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet.
1: Yep. Okay, and you have an announcement.
6: I have an announcement!
1: For dun, the dun, near dun. 100
6: people that are watching in the chat room right now, it is no longer called the chat room. It is called
3: Echo Base. Imperial troops have entered the base. Imperial troops have entered
5: Welcome to Echo Base, little scum. We're the Empire, and we're here to kill
6: Thank you, Mr. Gary Asselford, for proposing that suggestion, which won the contest. So, when we now refer to the live chat room at Ustream, we are talking about Echo Base. Echo so, Base. You know, you guys need to get get rid of those chat room tattoos you have. You know, go for the you know wrecking bomb or, or the laser removal, whatever, and get echo base retattooed on your you know on your arm. That's what you what you need to do. That's so, right. Yeah. But you all can join the D20 Radio live vidcast um, uh, right now at uh, www.ustream.tv/channel/d20radio.
1: There you are,
6: and it's X. So and, uh, very cool contest, though.
1: <laughs> yes. And uh, speaking of contests, we have stuff from Reaper. Reaper Miniatures has given us a box of stuff and we're going to break it up into a couple of different goodie baskets, but
6: we we are um this swag Dave will go to not one. Not 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 even two. Yes, two. Two <laughs> members of the Gamer Nation. How a new contest, folks, in honor of the forthcoming Reaper Con. We want to see your custom Reaper Mini. That's right. Whether it's from the Chronoscope line or any other metal Reaper Mini, we want to see what you can do with it for Star Wars role-playing. So pull out your glue, your molding clay, your paints, make and paint a custom Mini for your favorite Star Wars player character, and the contest victory is yours. That's right. Yeah. Well, now, I'm in talks with DM Tim right now. We are also going to try and do a sister contest. Um, basically, here's I did an inventory of all the crap they gave us, okay? First of all, they gave us a couple of their professional brushes, um, 13 uh, uh, of their Master Paint series uh, paints, 6 pots of their Pro Paints, Ten of their Chronoscope line minis, three of the Dark Haven Legends minis, five of their Warlords minis, and one of the super large Master Series uh, for painters minis. And uh, we're going to be dividing that trove up, uh, and uh, going to have a similar contest, hopefully over at Radio Free Hamlet, where uh, I'm assuming it will be the best fantasy mini that you can produce. So there you go. Uh, what I would, what I would very much like. So what can you customize? We want to see it, and the details yep. will be up on the website.
1: Yeah, we're gonna put uh yeah, d twenty radio.com slash forum. The details will be up very, very soon for God. that. Yep. And as you'll hear later, we will accost uh, Rodney with this juicy bit of web goodness, but Amazon uh. has dropped the ball again, on purpose. This is this is this is <laughs> got to be on purpose. At this point in time, this is on purpose.
6: It's got it's gotta be on purpose. Uh january tenth, twenty ten, they have announced the release of a as of yet non uh scheduled book on Watsy's catalog, uh Galaxy of Intrigue. Listed authors Rodney Thompson, Eric Eric Cagle, and Gary Asselford. So what? What 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 are you thinking, man? I'm thinking a book about nobles? Eh?
1: Maybe. Eh? I don't know. I uh maybe. Well let's uh, ha- let's I let's can... ask let's ask Rodney about it and maybe he'll give us a no comment.
6: Yeah, uh, we'll at least get the obligatory no comment. Sure. Uh, what else, man, dude? Have you read excerpt three of the Jedi Academy Training Manual yet?
1: Um, it has. I know that it has invoked a frenzy of, uh, well, a frenzy, like uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just it's basically what two pages, um, and it goes into the uh, ever odd and uh, fanboy loved. What is it? What is it? The Aang T monks? I've heard it pronounced two different Ang-Ti? ways. The T, the Ang T Aang yeah. T, uh, yeah.
6: They're 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 really wicked. It's basically the uh the spacing guild to put in a Dune reference oh, okay. of, uh, yeah. of of Star Wars, uh for lack of a better term, except they're kind of isolationist. But right. um there's like a new talent tree and also they talk about the best way to insert the Aang T tradition into your campaign and as a player PC. Um so so the, the ultimate good thing about this, Dave, is that my goal of creating a Dune setting for Saga Edition is one step closer.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. ah, yes. <laughs> yep.
6: What else, man?
1: Um, oh. Well, there's kind of a, a, a small little bit that's on the Watsy site. It, it's hardly worth noting, but it's... Um, oh, it's... Uh, yeah, a new Dawn of Defiance module.
6: <laughs> yeah, that that's hardly worth noting at all.
1: Yeah. Sword uh, of the Empire. Is it a It's a, shaber.
6: It's, a shaber. it's the sword of the Empire. John Jackson Miller, a guy I had the pleasure of meeting at Gen Con last year, um, reprises a writing role for the Star Wars RPG by penning this module. And this is what, the the ninth episode? I believe it is. Uh, in Dawn of Defiance? We got one more to go. Yep. It's wow. awesome.
3: Yep.
1: All this and more can be found at wizards.com slash Star Wars. Excellent.
6: Now, I have for you, GM Dave. Con goodness.
1: Ah, yes.
6: Ah, dude, Origins is around the corner.
1: I know. Are we gonna have uh, Vader's son, our roving reporter, there again?
6: Oh, he's gonna be doing a lot more than doing roving reporting. Ah. Um. The Origins Game Fair is in Columbus, Ohio, June 24th to the 28th. And as you say, Vader's son, our own Vader's son, Duncan McEwen, will be representing the D20 Radio Network at Origins with the second of D20 Radio's con modules, The Death of the Star of Agnor, penned by himself and uh, absolutely fantastic. Beautiful.
1: So he'll be running these slots, um, what, Wednesday at 7 and Friday at 2? Is that right?
6: P.M., yeah, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Friday at 2 p.m. Right. Um, and he's also going to be pulling out a slot of Betrayal of Darth Revan at 9 a.m. on Friday. Friday, okay. And also to pimp out the one other game he is going to be running, uh, Duncan's second favorite game system <laughs> right after Saga is Dark Conspiracy. Um, and he's going to be running the adventure Terror from the Woods at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Great. When does registration start for Origins? I know it's right around the corner. It's, yeah, um, I
1: think it's day after tomorrow, May 12th at noon. May 12th. Awesome. Yep. Very I cool. believe that's Tuesday at noon.
6: Yeah. So you guys can find out more at www.originsgamefair.com. Yup. But the news around us, man. Next month, May fourteenth through the seventeenth. Reapercon.
3: Reapercon. Not next month,
6: this this month. It is it's this next month. week.
1: It is this month. It is this.
6: Next month. week, I meant to say. Yep. Um, is Reapercon now? If you guys are a fan of Reapers minis, you can get your hardcore paint on for three days of classes, contests, and mini goodness and gaming. Of course. Naturally. Naturally. You will be there, will you not?
1: I will be there on Saturday.
6: You will be there. TG will be there. And I will be there GMing some Saga Edition. Right now, we have got guaranteed two sessions of play, Friday and Saturday night, from 6 to 11. The secret of the Karelian Kitehawk will be debuted. The first of the D20 Radio Network's Con modules, and there may be some more sessions thrown in as well. But those are those two I just listed for you are the only two that are confirmed right now. Yep. And um, DM Tim and the uh, the Rfh crew is also going to be there, correct?
1: That's right. They have some custom D and D mods that they're going to be throwing down at ReaperCon as well. If you guys are in the chat room. <laughs> Uh, DM Tim is putting that out in the chat right now. See more benefits of being in the chat room live for the order. I think we was talking about that. That was like based
6: on T- DM watches. Tim's home game, the the tenth hell.
1: I believe it is. It is the tenth hell, <laughs> which is not the seventh circle of hell, but
6: no, no. But you guys can find out more about this amazing con at www.reapermini.com/reapercon. And for anyone who's in the area who's going to be up there, we can't wait to see you. And I look forward to throwing down some dice with you.
1: That's right. We do look forward to that. And with that, we have this.
4: And now, dark thoughts with Twillet goodness.
0: This one time, I ran into Kate Skywalker out near
8: Maraba 7. He gave me some line about being famous and running from his past, you know, the usual anti-hero stuff. I let him buy me a drink, and I really enjoyed playing with his double-barreled blaster carbine. His gun was really neat too.
4: This has been Dark Thoughts with Twillet Goodness.
1: Ah, yes, another fine dark thoughts with Twi'lek. Goodness, thank you very much to her for allowing or gracing our beautiful airwaves yet again. And so on our phone now, Grego, is a gentleman that needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. None. None. This would be Darth Vader's secret apprentice, Doomsday, Crashdown, Sam Whitwer, Esquire.
4: What's up, guys? What's happening?
6: <laughs> so is it actually Esquire, or do we have uh, a you know? I don't. Uh,
4: know. You know why not? Let's do it for tonight. <laughs> is that if I get, if you could if you could uh, if you could address me as Samuel T. Whitwer, T being for Tiberius, because uh, I saw Star Trek the other night. So. Nice. Samuel nice. T. Whitwer for tonight. I
1: That's haven't. True. I have not seen Star Trek yet. Don't ruin it for me. But is it good? Is it clean uh, and sweet?
4: It it is. It's good. It's uh I mean I'm I'm a I'm a movie snob. So I I of course had a couple of gripes here and there, but overall they very, very impressive and it was cast extremely well. I mean, you know, to to recast those parts and to have them feel like the original characters, that's a feat unto itself and and they did a fine job at that.
1: Really? That's impressive. Yeah. Impressive.
4: Most impressive. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Really fun. Oh, that's
6: Very so, cool. That's so well, thank, thank you so much for coming on for episode 66. Um, my, my, oh
4: my pleasure. God. This is a momentous occasion. This is a big deal. 66 episodes, which, what? How many hours of broadcasting goodness have you guys put out now?
1: Ah, we're probably pushing 100, wouldn't you think? Probably 100.
6: Oh, oh more probably. than that. We're, we, we're, we average 90 minutes an episode, so...
1: That would be about 100.
4: That would be... Eh, about, about 110, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Probably 100. Or 110.
1: Who knows? Maybe maybe a little more. But, <laughs> yeah. Considering our first shows were only like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you know.
4: Right. I think, right. It's it's when Rodney came on and... and uh,
1: yeah, he set the bar awful high and then you had to go beat him and, you know. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. It got ugly and suddenly the episodes are like two hours long each, so... Yeah, exactly. It's creepy. Yeah. creepy, ugly.
6: <laughs> well, what do you say we dig into some listener questions, yeah?
3: Well, Let's do it.
1: All right. Let's... Set the right tone in the background. Uh, I don't know why I associate it with Sith, but since I associate Sam with Sith, <laughs> I just.
6: See, now, see the difference between you and me.
4: I associate Sam with Jedi. Ah,
1: okay, oh. that's, that's fine. That's fine. Especially, uh, Sam, are you going to be in our guild when we, uh, when we pop up on the Holocron and, and do well, all okay, that? Well, okay,
4: what side is the. And uh, the galactic conflict is this guild going to be?
1: This guild is going to be a Republic guild.
4: Are you serious? Really? Yep, I'd be happy to join. Absolutely,
1: dude. See, look at that. Our guild membership just went up a thousand. By one. Well, yeah, by one. But then when this goes <laughs> out, like a thousand people are gonna be like, oh, "There's somebody famous in the guild."
4: <laughs> dude, I yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. It's it should be uh, it's, it's gonna be, be interesting to see what they do. You know, it's it's like okay. So I played Galaxies for a long time, and I thought the the world sim aspect was a lot of fun. Um, And I'm wondering if uh, Bioware and LucasArts agree with me, whether that's a lot of fun. You know, because they used to, they would make disparaging comments about that. And what I mean by World Simulator, for anyone that hasn't played that game, is that there was a whole aspect of, there was a player-run economy that was extremely detailed, more detailed than most games. There was, you could go and you could harvest materials and you could uh, build houses and you could do all this stuff that had nothing to do with combat or adventuring. You just sort of, like, live in that world and... I thought that was really neat. I thought you know it, it changed the pace from combat. You could chill out. You could build a base. You could do any number of things. And uh, I, it, there' no other game you could, you know could do it quite like that. So I wonder if they're going to incorporate that, or if they're just going to ditch it and do sort of a Warcraft clone. What's your take? Discuss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will discuss next week on the Holocron. That's right. On the Holocron.
4: <laughs> <laughs> little little preview for next week, ladies and See, gentlemen. That's, that's what they right. call
1: in Radioland a tease. That's right. By golly. Ah. That's,
6: what I, that's what I call TG most of the time.
1: <laughs> Here we go ah. with that again. Excellent. That's an <laughs> ender. Okay, so speaking of enders, oh, we have an email from Endora uh. that is also paraphrased on the forums. And so I will give you thusly. I have created a human replica droid Jedi. That's an awful big mouthful. At least he thinks he's a Jedi. He was created by the Jedi Council to act as a shadow, hi shadow, to a team, a Jedi team, to ensure they stay on the right path. First, I have a problem with that. Why would the Jedi Council assume that the Jedi were going to deviate don't, from their path? Don't
6: question it, yeah. Right,
1: okay, all right. <laughs> he he went first level noble, then straight Jedi. I think I have most of the players convinced. I am in fact a Jedi, or at minimum a human. Layers of intrigue. Ooh. <laughs> okay, now the meaty question. What sneaky ways can a droid petre- pretend to be a Jedi? Question mark. I have a magnetic feet, magnetic gauntlet for my light- lightsaber, jump servos, and dark vision. I wish I had more ideas to pull off some more advanced pseudo-Jedi powers, though. The whole concept is new to me, but it's turning out really fun. Any ideas?
4: You know, it's funny. We, um... When we were doing Force Unleashed we talked about this concerning Proxy because Proxy is a a Sith training droid and in the game he exhibits a few things that seem like Jedi powers and I of course asked a question about them like how does a droid have the force and Right. And you know, everyone scratched their head until someone said uh tractor beams. And we're like okay, moving on. Does <laughs> like there's a there's a technical magic wand you can wave to to make a lot of those things or at least simulate a lot of those things. You could have repulsor lift generators on your feet that make you jump really high you could have tractor beams on your hands you could do stuff but the thing is is that if you're going to do stuff like that um there should be some extreme mechanical drawback that that balances that and it also should be extremely expensive we always talk that proxy was yeah. like 10 million credit droid you know one of a kind could never be built too difficult to mass oh, yeah. produce and you know you would never want to install these types of systems that give you jedi like powers without um without i think incurring more than just the jedi limitations for example if you had some sort, something that simulated the force power suite if you will you know something where you have something you can do once per encounter but i think it should be harder than that because you know one of the main things about star wars one of the main concepts is that uh, the droids are never as good as the Jedi, um, yeah. and you could say, "Well, General, General Grievous." And nah, I'd say, even him—he's—he died think, like a bitch.
1: Yeah, he, he
6: did die like a complete bitch.
4: Right? Yeah. I
6: don't. Know, I think. I think. I think magnetic feet is really cool. I mean, it could stabilize you. And he said he had jump servos, and right. I mean that that simulates surge pretty easily. You know, it can make somebody look like you're surging.
4: Surge. Surge.
6: Surge. 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 And with, with, with dark vision, you could easily convince somebody that you're using, like, sense surroundings, you know? Right. And right. he also said he put the, the electro grapple gauntlet on his lightsaber so he can, you know, call his lightsaber to his hand from six squares away. Um, Which like he does light-up. a lot
4: just to try to convince them. He's like, oh, check that yeah, out. Yeah,
6: I, th- I, think, I think that's personal. Another thought I had was um, personal shields because a droid can have personal shields. And you might be able to, with a good deception check, convince someone that that might be a, a, the, the force shield power. Um. Uh, An internal comlink could, like, give you access to uh, telepathy. You know, you could, you know, oh, he he wants me to go here or something like that. But I don't know. When I was thinking about this myself, the hardest part for me would be repairing yourself if you're playing a droid. Um, You know, healing, for lack of a better term. But if I was, if I had a creative GM like you, Mr. Whitworth.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, um, yeah.
6: Maybe, like, a, because, you know, droids, droids can install a diagnostic system. And if you combine that with a miniaturized toolkit that maybe repairs you from the inside while you sit and close your eyes while you're "quote-unquote meditating." I don't know, it's a thought, but I'm I'm with you, man. I don't think you should ever give a droid, I mean, pro- pro- proxy aside and uh <laughs> tractor beams in the hands. I, I I don't know if a droid should ever have the complete ability to replicate something like move object or You know, like,
4: I you're right. I, and he on. shouldn't and and you know, yeah, it's it's you're you're getting really dangerous because pe- you know when Sometimes when, when uh players come up with a concept that's that's cool, no player the the GM needs to really rein in the, the whole idea. It's not the player's yeah. job. It's the player's job to be reasonable. It's the GM's job to rein it in. I mean the you know, you could very easily as a droid wanna trick yourself out with all kinds of cool stuff and then you come up with a concept that is actually cool and then you you know, you wanna take that as far as you can take it, but you know, to stay within um the universe, to stay within the themes of Star Wars, you, you are a droid, and there is no such thing as a Jedi droid. There just isn't. And it's, you know, it will never be as good.
6: I know. I, I agree. Um, now, this begs the question, though. And let me ask you. What does it take to become a Jedi? I mean, you, I think, of most people, have more <laughs> um, personal experience. 45-minute
4: audition. Um, you need to uh, have a pretty good agent. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. You know, all right resume. Yeah.
6: Well, it's seriously, I mean, I mean of, 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 of anyone who's ever reasonably wielded a lightsaber in any f- form or fashion, uh, you, or at least the image of you, have wielded one, especially if it's red. And in particular, you have played a character that was really struggling to define who they were in terms right. of Jedi versus Sith. So, I mean, let's take some time and talk about playing a Jedi in the Star Wars universe. How, How best do you exemplify that role-playing? Uh, and mechanical choices.
4: Well, you know, what I do when I look at that as a GM, um, the, the, there's one Jedi character in, in the game that I'm running, and it's it's this uh, friend of mine who, who's been my best friend since we've been like three or four years old. And uh, he's a doctor, and in, in real life he's a doctor. And uh, the Jedi thing, as we've played for years, has become sort of a stand-in for his, uh, his duties as a doctor. And, and I, it's funny, it's like when I find, when he's bitter about, uh, being in residency and you know working 120 hours a week, which isn't much of an exaggeration, he um, he ends up reflecting that in the game. He ends up uh, resenting his Jedi um, responsibilities and and also just the fact that he's more uh, susceptible to um, you know the effects of the dark side of the force and all kinds of stuff like that. So, I mean, the, the Jedi thing you, you get all these cool powers, right? And I guess what I'm getting at is. With great power also comes great responsibility. I always play it like whatever these guys are, these Jedi guys, they're tapped into something that could really mess with their head. And it, it, it really mess them up, you know. And if, the, if some player wants to debate some sort of um, moral gray area, all a GM needs to say to them is, that they, okay, that's fine. You have every right to think of it that way. The Force doesn't agree with you. That there are rules in this version of the universe, the Star Wars thing, where there is a right and there is a wrong, and the Force kind of, you know, is is pretty black and white about that. You can get all shades of gray with any number of characters, and you can play a Jedi that doesn't mind picking up a dark side point here and there. But the fact of the matter is, is um, the way I play it is just by the closer the character, uh, the closer the character's connection to the Force the more susceptible he or she is to being corrupted by that power. And, and more than just they get, you know, drunk with power and they start doing crazy stuff. More than that. More that, that if they're not completely clear on what they're doing at any given moment, moment in time, um, that, you know, that, that you know, they're, they're, like, for example, if, if they act out of anger in, in the middle of an encounter, they get a dark side point. If a scoundrel does, he doesn't. He can be as angry or as reckless as he wants, and and he can get away with it. The Jedi characters, for whatever reason, the influence of the Force makes it so that their actions are making statements to the universe on a much grander scale than than just a scoundrel scoundrel or a noble or something like that. That's the way I look at it anyway.
6: Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. So Uh, uh, In in terms of people that are actually Jedi, now Dave you and I have had conversations on this and I know last podcast, we talked about this too, where somebody was saying, you know, Oh, i having trouble building a Jedi. Do you think mechanically speaking, in terms of the role playing game, does a character need to have Jedi levels to be a Jedi? Or I mean, is it, is it a,
1: no, we had talked about <laughs> this before that. Yeah. Well, I'm,
6: you know, I'm, I'm interested to get both y'all's opinion.
1: I'm, I'm my way of thinking that if you're, if you're following the Jedi tradition, you are force sensitive You don't have to have levels in Jedi necessarily to be a Jedi, in my opinion. But I have a kind of a fundamental issue if you don't take a level in Jedi. But, you know, we do have the... What do we have, that prestige class? And it's escaping me in my mind that the uh, the Force... uh, Force adept. Force adept, yeah. Do you call a Force adept a Jedi if he's following the Jedi tradition, if he's been indoctrinated into the Jedi Order, but he just doesn't have a level in jedi?
6: Yeah. So I mean is is it about the role playing or is it about the mechanics? I don't
4: it's know. It's got to be about the role playing. I think I think it's you could conceivably make a scoundrel who is a jedi by taking the appropriate feats and skill training. It's just not going to be as easy. Um and certainly wouldn't be a typical jedi, but I mean I think that yeah, you could you could do it. Thoughts. What do you think? Do you disagree? Do you challenge our take on
1: this? But well, yeah, yeah. Since both of us pretty much are in agreement, what do, what, you there, yeah, what do you think in there, Mister Big Head GM
4: Chris, guy? Come on, what's the deal?
1: You must have a level in Jedi to be a Jedi. This completely contradicts your previous stance.
4: Yeah, it not only contradicts it, but it also contradicts it. Yes, it does both.
1: Yeah, in, in other words, it's just a you're just being a dick.
4: Yeah, dude. What the well, hell?
6: I, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I don't know. It's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, okay, I'll say this, okay? Having levels in the Jedi class doesn't make you a Jedi. Okay? Um, Use
4: your words carefully,
1: man. Oh, my but, word. I, I,
6: it doesn't make you a Jedi. Therefore, I don't know if saying that to be a Jedi you have to have. But, you know, I don't know. I think having at least one level in the Jedi class might not be, you know, a bad thing requirement for a gm to have but it gets you going i mean okay so so can a droid be a part of the jedi order i mean back to this original question sure they can't ever be as awesome as a a real jedi they can't use a force but would they ever be inducted into that tradition if they can't use the Force? negative possibility
4: no i yeah i'm not sure that that's possible can they work for the jedi order can they Mm -hmm. can they hang out at the temple and run tests sure yeah no way uh can they be Jedi? Because the thing is, that order depends on your connection with the Force, your connection to your instincts, your co- connection to to these things that uh, sort of define you as a human, or you know, or whatever race you are, you know. And that that's one of the main things that guide the Jedi. They're their meditations on the Force. If you're not connected to the Force, you have no idea what it's what you're supposed to be doing or what it's telling you. Right. And so, okay,
1: let me let me let me add this. If you're a droid inducted into the Jedi Order, in my in my opinion, every time you do something to make yourself look like a Jedi, you're lying, and I'm going to give you a DSP. <laughs>
4: <laughs> wow! I don't know if wow, I agree with that, that is, but that... that is brutal. That's almost <laughs> okay, okay, racial,
6: right okay, there. Okay. Well. Okay. Now. Now in terms of playing a jedi though now we talk about you know being a straight jedi not being a straight jedi one of the advantages of of not having levels in jedi or or having multi-class levels and yet still being a part of the jedi order is the fact that you become a more skillful character and this kind of leads us into our next question dave do you want to shoot that one off
1: okay yeah this is animus Mm -hmm. that wrote in gm dave and gm chris that's us that's us first of all love the podcast oh thank you very much my question has more to do with party dynamics than straight crunch After many short-lived attempts, I'm about to start a Dark Times campaign. I have two dedicated players, and that looks like it's it. What advice would you give to them in making characters in order that they are as complete of a party as possible, given the small party size? Huh. It's interesting, you know? It's interesting. One of them needs to be a skill monkey.
4: Uh, You would think... Either one of them or both of them need to be a skill monkey. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, I applaud system... the guy
6: going forward with his game, what? just just not being limited by two players. I mean, that's a brave decision.
4: You know, we I've I've run uh, many games with two players, and it, it goes just fine. It's it really so long as the GM is um, balancing that. You know, so long as the GM is keeping that in mind, it's not a good idea to have two characters that can't. That, that don't have a lot of aptitude in a lot of things though you 're going to run into some problems you know if you, run, if you have a bunch of guys who are really good at shooting guns, then who's gonna, you know, who 's going to operate the computer who's going to fly the ship who's going to you know who 's yeah. going to cook the food who 's going to sweep the floors man who 's going to tuck you in at night? No one, and that 's not good, man. People get bitter
6: they do They've
4: they 've proven that, that children need. Uh, the attention of their parents, and without a mother and a father or or, or one parent that takes both roles, you know look man we 're getting complicated. are complicated here, you know my mm-hmm. mind is being blown. What about you, Dave?
1: yeah, absolutely although yeah. although I will have you say that uh, what blew my mind uh, just a few days ago was that I was sitting there watching, and i 'm going to deviate and make a left turn right here.
6: do
4: it a shock
1: um, <laughs> Well, actually, a right turn we make left turns all the time around here, but anyway.
4: Left turns are right on the Order 66 podcast. That's
1: right. Right is right and left is wrong. Right is That's wrong right. And left is right. Who knows? Who the hell cares? Anyway, what I was going to say was that what blew my mind was the fact that I was sitting watching Smallville last week and my wife walks into the room and you're walking out of the
4: gas station
1: and you get into like an Explorer or something okay. at the end of uh, the last episode that
4: I saw. I'll take your word for it. Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: And uh, and she walks, she's walking through, you're walking out. And she's like, "Hey, isn't that your friend?" And I, my, my, my jaw just about dropped because she actually recognized you on the show for the first time.
2: Huh? Yeah. Ah, that's
9: impressive.
1: How that's about, crazy. How about that? It's very awesome. That's insane. It is. It's nuts. <laughs> that is. Anyway, to answer your original question, um, what was the question again? <laughs>
4: <laughs> two players. Uh, oh two yeah. Players.
1: Uh, well, I already said skill monkey. You know, maybe, maybe just What's have a- them both be Jedi. I mean, seriously.
4: What's a normal well, sized group? to you guys oh, four four to, four to five yeah four to this five. is what i would go
6: for but yeah and listen I, honestly though i i think the nice thing and somebody's i think it was um, uh full-on you may have mentioned this in in the chat room in echo base right now is that you know honestly when you when, the nice thing about playing a role-playing game as opposed to a video game is that the gm can scale the game according to those two players strengths you bet That's right and that's that's the beauty. and So that's the first and foremost thing. Now, the other thing I would recommend is the common house rule that you might want to take advantage of in saying that any bonus skills that a character can train in, like from having a high intelligence score, or maybe if they're human, they get that bonus train skill, that those bonus skills don't have to be limited to their class skill list.
1: That's true. You can do that.
3: And hey, that's a very that. common
6: house rule, and that way you could have honestly two Jedi right. that you know maybe they have a little they're human or they have a little bit of high intelligence, and oh wow they're trained in persuasion right. and deception and stealth
4: and you know well, or
1: write it into the story that they run into a scoundrel that has a ship called the yeah or you know yeah.
4: and that's you you bring up a good point because um, really you know yes mechanics discussions are going to happen you're playing a, a role playing game for God's sakes but. There's another way to look at it. You can look at it as you just get two interesting characters that have whatever skills they have. You don't even put that much thought into balancing off the characters. And then so hey, they run into a situation where they need to access a computer to, you know, to defraud this guy because they don't have any money or whatever. And they they fail. They can't do it. So what are these interesting characters going to come up with next? I mean, what what if you have two players who are coming up with really fun interesting characters i've i've certainly learned that sometimes a character needn't have a mechanical role in the group uh to really add something there's a guy who just joined us um he's like the the youngest brother in a family of five um that uh like my family and their family are like linked and uh i i was best friends you know i've been best friends with his brother for you know as long as i've been alive and and so we finally let this youngest brother in because we always thought of him as the baby. I, mean, I remember when he was born, but now he's a he's a you know he's a college student. And so we're like, you know, it's probably he's wanted to play his entire life. He's a college student. We started when we were thirteen. We might as well let him in. So he makes this character who's this college dropout, this this slacker, uh, who just wants to gamble. That's it. Like his character didn't really have a hell of a lot of mechanical advantages. I mean, he just was like this guy who like who's just just you know. Slacker. He just made this slacker character. And so I'm looking at it being like, you know, well, yeah, I wonder how this is going to work. And I don't know what what niche he's going to fill in the group. And then he plays and he plays it so delightfully and colorfully that you're like, oh, yeah, I forget. It's the characters. It's not always, you know, their mechanical advantages. It's, you know, he just, what he was bringing to the table was just so much fun. Um, in terms of how he was playing his character and, and the stuff that his character was, was doing was always just interesting and creative. So you found out, my God, yeah, he kind of, his, his niche just came in the way he was playing his character. And, and, and well, I should restate that his niche came in who his character was. And if you have two players, and the GM is sitting right there, and they're coming up with the, with the characters themselves, the GM can, like you said, scale the game to meet those characters. But I think your first priority should be coming up with two interesting personalities that would be interesting together. Like chocolate and peanut butter. Did I just yeah. blow your
1: minds? Chocolate and peanut butter together in one thing <laughs> you, you could like make candy out of that. You could, yes. oh man. I mean, there's lots of like, things. Like you chocolate
6: could do. and peanut butter, like Chewy and Han, like R2. Yes. Yeah. You
1: know. <laughs> just like peas and carrots, Jim. Eh?
6: No, I'm about it. So, what you're saying is that the, the importance here is not having a party that has wonderful mechanical variation, but it's more important to simply have an interesting party.
4: I think that's more important. I do. I've come to think of that as more important. I, I, look you're never going to ignore the mechanics altogether. So I think that's going to sort of take care of itself. I think it's more important that the characters really like their, the players like the characters that they're playing and that, uh, and that they're interesting. And, you know, one of the main ways to do that is to always encourage your, uh, because, you know, when players get together, they like to sort of metagame, you know, they'll sit around and some problem will come up and they'll go, Oh, well, okay, well, what if we do this? Oh, we'll do this. And they're sort of talking as the players and not as the characters. And, the GM always hits the brakes and goes, wait, what does that look like in the game? You know, say it. Well, I tell him that he's got to fix the ship. Well, no, but he's in the back of the ship. What does that sound like? Oh, oh okay. Well, I yell, hey, you know, you got to fix the ship. And it's always more interesting when the characters actually start talking to each other in character. And then usually a lot of funny stuff happens. But I think that's, I don't know. I, I, it's more interesting for me as a GM. And, and also, frankly, as a GM, when the characters are really bringing it, and there's awesome dialogue flying between them, and all kinds of funny stuff is happening because the characters are interesting. I don't have to make that up. I don't have to work on that. That's something I don't have to prepare. You know, that's that's hours of gaming goodness that is happening regardless of whether I'm there or not. So I, I really appreciate that. Damn, Skippy. Damn, Skippy. Well, awesome. What you What's your take on that, Chris?
6: <laughs> no, I I think I think it, I agree, man. I think that. People talk about having an adequate party and fulfilling roles, but the most interesting games I've ever had in my life have never been where you had this party that was this seamless mechanical machine that <laughs> and any skill challenge that came their way and defeat any opponent with any weapon. The most interesting games to me have always been ones where you just had ultimately interesting characters. And uh, so what they you know they can't uh, accomplish uh, a used computer check to save their life. Well, you know what? Don't give them anything where it's crucial. Yeah. You know. Tailor the game to them, not necessarily the other way around. Um, If you're a good GM, I think that's a good way to handle it.
4: Well, and not to mention that, you know, let's say that there are some important things and they have some serious deficiencies mechanically. That can be something great in the game. You know, it's like I try to tell my players, guys, uh, I I really try to discourage, because sometimes people, you know, they get really into it and someone does, one of the players does something that's unexpected. And suddenly one of the players goes, wait, you're going to do that? You shouldn't do that? And I'd say, shut up. Absolutely shut up. If he makes a mistake, sometimes that's really cool. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's the mistakes that make the game more interesting. Or, you know, one guy, uh, you know, figures out a way to bluff his way past the guards, and then another guy gets an itchy trigger finger and pulls his gun out. And suddenly, you know, suddenly everything goes to hell, but that's interesting. It's, it's And it's more realistic, frankly. You can't, you know, it's not about a smooth operation. It's about... um a fun and dramatic and surprising game. Right. And uh, so, you know, if they can't make that use computer check, maybe something really cool or funny happens because of that. You know? You never know. It's, it's not about a smooth operation. It, it never should be. If you watch the Star Wars movies, it's never a smooth operation. People are making mistakes all the time, and uh, it makes for really dramatic uh, stuff, really dramatic storytelling.
1: Dramatic dramaticisms. That's Dramat- absolutely right dude
4: well sam well, good
6: good role playing advice from a good role player
4: you're
1: awesome man rock thank you so much for coming on the show my man we, uh, awesome. we kept you a little bit longer than anticipated but uh, we definitely appreciate your time
4: it's all good guys uh, congratulations on 66 wonderful episodes It's badass
1: thank you extremely <laughs> thank you so mucho, much man sam, hey, it,
4: was, it was really good talking to you again
6: um, absolutely fantastic when 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 is uh, when, when is the crash stones going to get a new album out
4: Oh, dude, that's, um, I'm making that a priority in the next uh, month to finish up the songs that I've, I've got on my hard drive. I've got like 16 half-finished songs, and I'm going to see what I can do, man. I'm going to see what I can do. Um, but it's delightful that people have been listening to that stuff. I'm really happy about that. That's cool.
6: Oh, it's good stuff, man. It's good music. Yeah. You Thank go. you.
4: Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> All right. One thing I want you to do before, because I'm going to redo our intro. Yeah. And what I would love for you to do is give us oh, a new Oh, you good, don't want a new clean... bumper, do you? I know not well, you can give us a new bumper if you want to.
4: I mean it's just gonna be another mom statement. Uh, pr- I, 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 I like the I like
6: the old bumper. It's very good.
1: Yeah, the bumper's great, but what I really want to do was insert you for real in the instead of me trying to emperor, uh, imitate the emperor saying execute order sixty <laughs> six
4: Um okay, let's see how I hope I'm in good emperor voice. Little little piece of uh trivia. I was recently um, at Lucasfilm uh, doing some more uh, stuff for for TFU DLC, right? And um, they needed a a few weeks back. I was I was shooting Smallville. They needed some temp emperor dialogue, and I I was on the set and I was screaming my head off about something on the set, like in the scene, and uh, my voice was trashed. And they needed this stuff, you know, like they they needed this uh, temp dialogue. And and I was coming home from the airport and I did the emperor to myself and dude the emperor had never sounded so subsonic as when my voice was trashed so <laughs> so now i'm i'm messed up man anytime i do the emperor and my voice isn't trashed i feel inadequate i don't. i feel don't i don't feel You pain. want
6: to meet you want to mute your mic and scream for about 30 seconds <laughs> yeah,
4: maybe that's the way but they ended up using the we didn't even end up going to the studio for that they used the temp that i recorded in my apartment because they're like they're like okay that's that's about as Ian McDermott as you can get, right there. So greatness. But yeah, so so you want me to, to do the execute order sixty six thing?
1: Yeah, that'd be yes. great if you would be if we if we would be so honored.
4: All right, let's see. Let's let me get my golden cords warmed up. Yeah. Um, hello. Okay. Execute order sixty six. Was that it? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Um, ex- oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Okay.
1: Execute order 66. See, now that's what we're talking about right there. Let's yeah, go. That's
4: with that. Pretty darn No good. warm up there. No warm-up. No
1: warm-up whatsoever.
4: That's fine. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll tell you what. I'll do a better view at some point later when we have time. We don't have, you know, a whole audience listening to me. But...
1: Yeah, exactly.
4: Execute <laughs> order 66. See, even though that was better. How about that, that was
1: way better, except that Chris was laughing over you.
4: Oh, dude. nice work, Chris. It's
1: never going to get that good again.
4: just going to
6: mute my mic. That's all. Dude,
4: you want me to trash your lights? <laughs> you want me to trash your lights? And why are you trashing my scene? Um, execute order 66
1: See See I've Now I've got like four That I can choose from
4: Yeah That's One a... of those That's just One me. of those Oh I'm doing this And then Chris is just Oh la-di-da-di-da da is it Chris Because it's Fucking useful now <laughs> Or useless How? What does he say
1: I don't remember <laughs> It was useless It was it's <laughs> useless it's, useful. it's useless
4: I blew it Yeah My bail needs work That's alright Yes it is <laughs> Nice <laughs>
1: That's fantastic,
4: <laughs> Sam. Thank you. Wicked.
1: Thanks a lot, buddy. I'll uh, I'll I'll uh, email you later, and we'll hook up the Holocron. Are we still good for Memorial Day weekend?
4: Uh, yeah, I think so. Is that that's next? When is
1: that? That's not next weekend. It's the weekend following. <laughs> We're flying in Friday.
4: Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I'm. Am i here. That's like. What 20, is the date? That's
1: like uh, May twenty third, twenty
4: 25. Yeah. I'll, I yeah. I'll be here. I'll be here. Cool. I'm, I'm so envious.
1: That's right. See, and I'm sure that Chris hasn't sent you his shirt, your shirt yet. So I'm gonna have to take it out there personally.
4: Let me. Uh, we'll let you me promise like, you that he hasn't. He has no, not. Yeah, no, I, I have not. Seriously,
6: I was like, wow, fifteen bucks in shipping, or I can just let Dave take it out there and hand it to him personally. There
4: you go. Actually, you know what? You, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask, and this is regarding another conversation we had earlier. I think at this point you owe me some interest in that shirt, man. I think you should send me the shirt and a box of like, Count Chocula, you know. Or if you can find uh uh what was that thing? Orbits? booberry drink, or- send me orbits. How,
6: okay, or- how how can how does it, how does this suit you? I have a very small handful of the last custom D twenty radio dice made for Gen Con in two thousand eight. I'll take it. And I, I will send them with the shirt.
4: I'll do it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Those are gonna be Excellent. collectors. <laughs>
3: send me your stuff.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's beautiful.
4: Yeah, biatch. Cool, man. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Chief. Thank <laughs> you Excellent. so much Dude, again, buddy. Thanks, Sam. Good night. Night, guys. Have fun. Take care. Later.
1: Sam Whitwer. Yeah, I wish what? I had some applause.
6: I don't know. What else can you say about Sam Witwer?
1: What can <laughs> you say about Sam? I mean, seriously, that is just greatness. Absolute greatness. In and of itself, there's just no other... No, you just can't. Yep, the show officially doesn't suck.
3: Hey, this is Metal Penis, and I never listen to the Order sixty six podcast. Now, not
6: sixty six times, man, not sixty six times.
8: This is Shadow Star from the D twenty Radio Forums, and I never listen to the
0: Order sixty six podcast. And now. Stormtrooper POETRY. WE ARRIVED ON THE EXECUTOR, HIGH ABOVE, ANOTHER PLANET, GIVE IT A SHOVE, IN THE RIGHT DIRECTION, EMPIRE SIDE, AND WATCHED BELOW AS THEY RAN TO HIDE, TOOK A SHUTTLE DOWN AND SET UP CAMP, WAITED FOR VADER TO COME DOWN THE RAMP, FORMED UP IN RANKS AND COLUMNS TRUE, MARCHED ON THE CITY TO GIVE HIM A CLUE. Rousted out the women, the sick and the old. Made the children do what they're told. Shot things up a bit and made our mark. And now we get free drinks at the naked Jedi gentlemen's cantina and club, which was really the point of the whole thing, because you find a good one of those and you'll go a mile, I'll tell you right now. Stormtrooper Poetry
1: well, thank you very much to Fiddlemac for another beautiful edition of Stormtrooper Poetry. Well, big doings going on here on the Order Sixty Six Podcast, episode number sixty-six, as we just heard from Mr. Sam Whitwer. Now, on our phone, Grego, we have two more gentlemen who have seen our airways before. And Are very well-known, I would say, in the Star Wars Sog Edition community, first of all, Mr. Gary Asselford. Hello, sir.
9: Good evening, gentlemen.
1: Thank you for (laughs) joining us on this auspicious occasion of episode number 66.
6: Yeah, congratulations. Thank you very much.
1: And secondly, joining us on our beautiful airwaves is Mr. Sterling Hershey himself. What's going on, sir?
2: Oh, not much. Have a good time here. <laughs>
1: All right. Again, thank you both for joining us here on our sixty-sixth episode. I, I, you know, I don't know why we're celebrating sixty-six. Aside just because our name is Order Sixty-Six,
6: because it's the sixty-sixth episode of Order Sixty-Six. I know, like, duh, <gasps> totally. Do you need explanation on this? My God.
2: Gosh. It's good reason.
6: Good? No, go ahead.
2: Oh, good. Yep.
6: Oh, I insist. Yep.
2: No, I How was going to say you. No, it's as good of a reason as any.
6: It is as good a reason as any, yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you guys both for taking the time to come on, seriously, though. it uh, It is totally awesome. And uh, to throw down your wisdom with some good questions that uh, our listener base has been kind enough to send in.
1: Indeed. And,
6: uh, so what do you say? You guys up for talking about some Star Wars?
1: Sure. All right.
9: Yeah, I guess so. I'll try to be constructive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in this case, we will start you guys off with a softball from... Donovan Morningfire, our very own Donovan Morningfire, who sent in this question last week, says this is in regards to an issue that came up in the last Star Wars game I was in, and pertains to the fatal hit feat in. Oh, dang it! Now I just forgot. Um, the campaign Legacy. guide, the Legacy era. Uh, what's that? It
6: was, it was in Legacy Era campaign. Legacy
1: Era or campaign guide, right. right? Okay, I don't remember where that was, and um. By uh, extension, the dark side power rend. Now that one I do know is from the Clone Wars. Cam- uh, Clone Wars campaign guide. Um, both have in their text a line that says, "If target is reduced to zero hit points, they are killed." My question is this: Then, does this prevent the victim from spending a Force point to avoid death, which can normally be done when the target takes enough damage that both reduces them to zero and exceeds their damage threshold? This does seem to be a way uh, way too much of an I win button, and the GM used a bunch of uh, uh tufts that had a fatal hit. It seemed rather unfair, especially given that uh, there's really not much in the way of resurrection in uh, Star Wars. <laughs> so we had one PC whose droid got destroyed because of this, and I think she may be rightly upset. Yeah, don't get a woman mad by destroying their droid that just totally yeah. ruins the night. I I I've, I've experienced so this personally. That. Yeah. 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 Myself and the other players have voiced our concerns to the GM, but I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about it. Well, Donovan Morningfire, not to put too fine a point on it, your GM's a douche.
3: <laughs> well,
6: that's that, that that's a later discussion, but I don't know. I mean, I I know um I mean in my judgment I, I i would think you could be able to spend a force point it doesn't say that you can't in the feat. I interpret it as simply you don't need to exceed the damage threshold in order to kill them, which you normally have to do. I still think you should be allowed to spend a force point um, y- yes awesome. you should okay i mean yeah that, i that's, mean that's, that's uh, when I
2: was working on fatal hit yeah it wasn't the intent wasn't to uh override like force points with it um, in my mind, you know uh force point usage is a much sort of Greater game mechanic than a than a single feat, and so if we'd meant to do that, we would have probably specified it.
1: Ah, okay, yeah. I it's suspect
2: r- the same applies to rend. Uh, I think what might be, uh, I went back and looked at the uh, the, the text. What might be uh, confusing things a little bit is we say automatically uh, in the text for fatal hit um, somewhere in there we say, and I think that may be the uh, what's confusing things a little bit. If you drop. If you take out the word "automatically," you might uh, it might be a little bit clearer. There we go.
1: Okay, so maybe he's not as big a douche as as we thought originally. Sorry, I take it back.
2: Yeah, if I was going to give a whole bunch of guys fatal hit um, as a game master, I would make sure my players knew that this was um, a group that was really, really lethal. Um, uh, Even you know, even being able to use the force points. I probably wouldn't give it to a whole, whole bunch of guys. I'd probably give it to like one of my main bad guys or something along those lines. Um,
1: so you're saying the GM is a douche now? That's a little harsh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll just call him Eve, as in Summer's Eve. Yep. Oh, man. I'm not entirely sure. I think we lost Chris on Skype. I think Skype has thrown a shoe.
2: It looks like that.
1: I'm not entirely sure what happens, and I really hate it when something like that does happen. But um, why don't we take a moment to try and add Chris back to the conversation, because his internet connection is somewhat suspect. I would say it's not the uh, it's not the greatest internet connection in the world. It, it died last time. His router died actually in the middle of the show last time, and you know that's what okay, you well, get.
6: Yeah. I don't, sorry, I don't have a very good internet connection. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. I. I this is the quality of production we expect here on the 56
1: Podcast. Yeah, welcome back. Your audio is really low and I don't know what happened between now and then. But Really? Yeah. So, whatever you can do, do. But, alright, so this leads us to our second question from Jim Baca. He writes, Hi, I have a question I hope you can help me with. When using a force power, can you take a 10 on the use the force check to activate the power or can you only take 10 on the actions described in the skill description my apologies if this has been asked before and also what force powers if any would you say cause you to drop your guard or distract you causing an uh, attack of opportunity i have had these scenarios happen in my games and i thought and though my players agree with my rulings, I do want to be fair and just. Well, Jim, you're just that good a guy. <laughs> All right. Cool. Your audio's better. Awesome.
6: Yeah, so, yeah, so, well, there you go. Well, I mean, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. The description of the use the force skill does say you can take 10. Um, But, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't assume you could do it when you're threatened or under stress, like in combat, right?
2: That's right. Really, so, I mean, um, oh, the only force powers I would think you would be... Oh, you can yeah. You can use you can uh, take ten on use the force, and if you're threatened, uh, then you wouldn't be able to. And so most of the time, when you're using force powers, you're usually threatened. So
6: right, in in an encounter,
2: right. And
9: there uh, is a force uh, force power mastery which does allow you to take ten on a use of force check to activate a specific
6: power. Ah, yes. Well, there there you go. So okay, then this brings up a discussion. I mean, talking about skills, um, a lot of people think that you know uh, you know one of the things i liked about saga was that it really streamlined a lot of skill use um and i know i know in, in a prior incarnation of an episode rodney himself said that you know he it, had he had it to do over again he probably would have combined uh climb and jump and swim into athletics so i i'm curious to talk about skills and, and get you guys' take on this as as experienced designers and experienced gamers um i mean Sterling, I mean, you have vast experience, you know obviously writing for a system where it was i mean to to put it in a nutshell all skill based you know what i mean right <laughs> if you if you, if you get down to that on it, so I mean from both of y'all's perspectives, what's your take on skills? How do you think they should be best run? Do you like diversity? do you like uh combining into simple stuff, and should you have the ability to to easily call upon something in combat because the other question that comes along with this is I continually hear from players that get angry at me. <laughs> it's like I've got a plus. You know, fifteen to my used computer check. You're telling me that even in combat, I have to roll uh, to get that DC twenty. I just can't assume that I'm going to get at least a five. You know, and it's like, well, no, not necessarily. You know, well, so
2: things can happen in combat. I mean, exactly. The, the die roll is is trying to take into account things you can't predict, like that blaster shot. That yeah, it missed everybody, but it came really close. And you looked up <laughs> at the wrong moment, hit the wrong key. Oops. Yeah, you may have know, you may have known which key you were going to hit, but it didn't work out that way, and you got to do it again.
6: Oh there you go. So I mean yeah, what what's Gary, what do you think? What what about what's your thoughts on skills?
9: Well, you can't get a free ride every day of the week, I mean, <laughs> geez. Um I mean, the rules are there for a reason, and it's to this is a game. There's got to be some challenge to it. And uh, I believe there are ways, you know, legally to get around those 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 problems that some players uh-huh. have. But uh yeah, you know. Tell your players to stop whining.
1: wow that's just great oh my gosh
6: oh wow i'm gonna get that like on my cell phone just like whip it out during a game So, by the way this developer says you should stop whining
1: yeah Uh. (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and oh yeah i wanted to yeah i wanted to point out donovan morning fires in our chat room and says oh my gosh what what's going to happen when my gm hears this particular uh, episode of uh of our podcast. And one, you know, obviously I called him a bad name. And then two, he had the freaking developer of the game. Tell him he was being a little harsh. <laughs> All right. So it's you not know, if every you're playing
2: day. legacy era. Maybe, maybe then, you know, you could sneak something like that in.
1: <laughs> it's just, I have to go back and say that, uh, you know, if I was a GM running a game and uh, the, the guy that like made the game told me that I was being a little harsh I I don't know that I'd be able to show my face at the table anymore. Donovan, uh, just to let you know, buddy, uh, you better have lots of force points saved up because your character's freaking dead.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, you may as well roll up a new character and bring it along just in case. Yeah.
9: I actually bring two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
6: Okay, so Sterling, because I'm, I'm very interested in this. I mean, it, back to the skills discussion, how do you feel about skill consolidation versus skill diversity? I mean, because obviously you worked on this system, and then one that was vastly different. I mean, generally, what do you prefer in terms of, of the game style you like to play?
2: Um, I think I prefer these the simpler list of skills. Um, when I'm writing, however, it gets a little awkward to have to say things like when you're using the intimidation use of the <laughs> persuasion skill, that gets a little annoying. Uh, but uh, in terms of gameplay, uh, most of the time uh, I like the simpler list, um, especially for like newer players. You don't have this you know huge list like in um, 3.5 where um, you have to search down it and figure out what you're doing. Although I'll, I will say with the 3.5 list, at least players who are brand new can look down and say, oh, hey, I can try this instead of having to come up with it off the top of their head. But um, I, I tend to like the, the simpler skills for the most part.
6: there you go um gary thoughts
9: more or less the same with me i like the the simpler list i tend to agree that you know jump climb and swim should have been combined but you know be that as it may um the only problem i've really had in the games that i've been running have been with players who complain about class skills and how they're divided up um I can't tell you how many times I've heard some player whine and say, You mean I have to be a noble or a soldier to have treat injury? Yeah. What is that about? And I just say, You know, it's, I don't know. I'll I'll ask at some point, but for right now, pick a noble. Pick a, (laughs) let's just, (laughs) let's play,
6: will you? You you might be a fan of the house rule where you can, uh, you know, diversify your bonus train skills, not, not based on your class list, you know, so like from your intelligence or if you're human or whatever.
9: That's I I don't know. Maybe there could. I maybe there is. I don't know. Maybe there's a feat that could be taken that allows you to take one, non-specific, uh, rather non-class skill as a class skill.
2: Okay, so early on, um, when I was working on uh, Force Unleashed campaign guide, which was uh, the first the first uh, book after Saga Edition, um, I actually proposed a, a few game mechanics and feats and things that were kind of along those lines. Um, and uh you obviously you can tell they uh didn't make it to the final product, <laughs> so uh, Rodney has held the uh, held the line on this so far uh, uh, it, it, see, what he's, about he's in
6: it? chat right now so this, so basically yeah. you're, you heard that Rodney Sterling's calling you out.
2: yeah, Sterling well, says that he well, wanted maybe, the I'm, athletic
1: <laughs> skill in there.
2: may have been Chris Perkins, you never know, but uh, uh, <laughs> no uh, no it's, it's a it's obviously a um, a choice that they've made. Um, and so and sticking with it so right now,
6: now to to kind of muddy the waters even further how do you guys feel about the 4th edition skill mechanics and uh maybe stretching them over into star wars because i know that there's been a lot of um a lot of talk about uh uh moving 4th edition mechanics into
1: saga oh see there you're getting into athletics again
6: well yeah there's one example yeah but in terms of like diversifying out instead of having knowledge tactics knowledge galactic lore knowledge uh you know social sciences having a skill called tactics galactic uh, lore I don't know social about. sciences or do you guys see the, uh, a potential for combining any other skills or maybe adding some that don't currently exist that you might find a, a need for hmm. Ooh, brain, th- brain bust to,
2: well, i'm trying to think <laughs> if there's anything i've i've recall is you know if i've missed a skill somewhere along the way but uh Go ahead. I mean, mind. go ahead. I mean, you what can, what difference what difference does it make if tactics is tactics on its own or knowledge tactics? What's
6: well, this is very true. Now, I had this. I had a player of mine propose this to me. How he said that, um, if if he were if he were going to, if he were going to design the system, and I said, well, design your own system. But if if I, if I was going to design the system, um, the biggest <laughs> thing for him was the idea of using. Um, now for Star Wars, I can totally see this, maybe not so much in other settings, but using mechanics to craft, he said that, you know, if if you had a skill called tactics or a skill called social sciences or, um, or, you know, or or in his example, also treat injury, that maybe if I was wanting to craft a med pack, I could use my treat injury skill to do that. Or if I was wanting to craft a weapon, I could use tactics or something to that effect. Uh, that's a bit much of a stretch for me, but you know, there's one other idea I've heard. So, I don't know. Uh, I
9: I, um,
2: Uh, I might allow a bonus for.
6: Mm, that's a thought
2: the whole
9: uh, what was the there there was like an evaluate skill before uh,
2: appraise or something
9: appraise yeah appraise is gone now I remember looking that over and there's really no equivalent to appraise I guess you just do a a straight intelligence check maybe I I don't know what you would do Um, I'd like appraise I want my appraise skill back I think is what I'm, I'm saying
2: Actually, <laughs> the, the, one of the skills that I loved in uh, D6 was, I think it was Streetwise was in there. And that was a nice catch-all for what character, characters wanted to go out and get information from just guys on the street or the underworld or whatever. And uh, there's ways to, around that, but uh, that's definitely one that I, I, I liked. Um, yeah, from give Lester me
1: Gaze. a knowledge jewelcrafting check.
2: You can kind of use social sciences for part of that, but it's this, that this doesn't the same. This is very
6: true. Now, okay, what, what, now let me ask you one question because one of the other beefs I've heard about a missing skill is profession. What do you guys feel about profession? Profession. Yeah, because that was one of the that was one of the three five skills, um, and you know if if, if profession was added, well, like profession merchant, profession jewel crafter, whatever. At that point, you could make a profession check in order to appraise, <clears throat> but. After careful consideration,
1: I don't. I've come to the conclusion that that idea is the worst idea I've ever heard.
6: <laughs> Sarley's in the chat going, profession can suck it.
9: <laughs> yeah, profession, profession. I, I think profession's good for rounding out a character's background, but I don't think I've ever seen profession used during a game in any kind of constructive way. you know, Other than say, you know, I used to be uh, a basket weaver. And, uh, yeah, that's what I do. So,
2: well, and it also falls into, you know, crosses over with knowledge. I mean, anything that you're generally using profession for in the game, it's probably, oh, hey, I know this because I'm a architect or whatever. Uh, so it's really more like a knowledge check than anything else, uh, unless you have some sort of mechanic that between game sessions you're earning money or something along those lines. And, right. frankly, in Star Wars, that's a little weird.
1: So are you going to, like, have to waste a feat uh, to take it or something? Right because you know, I would consider that to be an absolute waste of my feet.
2: Or or if you made it a profession, you know, a, a some sort of skill, are you going to you you know some characters don't have a lot of skills to begin with. They're probably right. not going to take that.
1: yeah, you, know, you could make it a skill. That that would be cool. That way Ula could have like profession stripping.
6: That would oh yeah, that would go over really well. There I'm you, certain.
2: Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Although we ha- I've had this discussion a little bit with um artistry and um because uh, there was that was one that was in Western Games, and uh, the the Snivians used that. Uh, they, they, they sort of had part of their culture built around art, and uh, it sort of defined them as a species and what they would do and how they'd sort of view the world and appro- take an approach to things, and so I thought it would be nice to have something along those lines um, here as well, but uh, obviously we have not.
3: <laughs>
6: well, potential for house rules abound, yes. Yep. Very nice. Very yep. nice. Yep. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for that uh, interesting foray into skills. We've had a lot of. If you guys haven't noticed yet, I'm I'm bringing in some random questions that sort of combine a lot of various questions and and uh, suggestions and things of like that. We've had on our own forums as well as climax of people saying, "Hey, what about this? What about this? What about this?" And so I don't know. It's really good to just get y'all's general thoughts on on it all. It uh, right. It gives me gives me
1: feel goodies. That's right, and I got goosebumps.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, when? and these things also differentiate the system from other systems, too. I mean... Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Right.
6: There is no... there. I mean, despite uh, some game manufacturers... Actually, just had an
2: interesting comment in the chat room. What's yeah. that? Oh,
1: I actually agree. It's one of the things he would change if he had it to do all over again.
2: And I think uh, that's referring to the number of skills allocated yeah. to the different ones. Well, there you go. Yeah. We have
1: just created Canon Errata. Right here. The order, $66. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not only that, I am good enough to say that I'm going to make G-Cannon. All right, George, listen up.
2: <laughs> Rodney has another comment
1: for you.
8: <laughs> no, <laughs> silence.
6: Yeah, that, that's that's very, very silenced. <laughs> oh, Burst wow. into flames. Burst into flames. Oh, man. <laughs> down, Rodney John.
2: Oh, wow, that's perfect. Uh, so, you'll be continuing this discussion with Rodney and Gary, I see. Yes, apparently we, <laughs> we will be.
6: <laughs> We're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and Dave's going to wake up with um, uh, a horse's head in his bed that's been severed with a lightsaber.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
6: oh, God. Oh, that's, that's fantastic.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
6: well, gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to come on, and... uh and lend us your wisdom and your uh, dulcet voices.
3: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having oh, us on.
9: Yes, it was a, as always, it was a lot of fun. And I, uh, I enjoy listening to you guys laugh more than anything.
1: Yeah. Oh, we, oh we're thank we try trying you. to have a little bit of fun every once in a while.
6: <laughs> every once in a while. I hope you guys are able to stick around for the post-show, but... Um, uh, we, we'll, we'll uh, I'm be. gonna have to
2: bail out. Uh, I might get back in by by the time that comes back around, but uh, no promises. Okay. Uh, All right.
1: No Thanks problem. We'll look for me. you on Skype, and if you're around, we'll uh, we'll try and invite. Okay. All right, All right, guys.
9: I've been on my feet since uh, very early this morning because of a young woman who I share a house with uh, decided to get up very early.
1: Oh. So. oh
3: yes. <laughs> well,
1: yes. Being we the know. daughter. Yes, we understand. I know how that goes.
2: Actually, I believe my guests are playing Force Unleashed in the other room. So,
1: oh hey, <laughs> oh, you, yeah. should, you should have had him. You should have had him. Wow, I mean, we had the we had Mister Force Unleashed right here.
6: That's very true. We could have we could have said, "Hey guys, come listen to this." All right, now go listen to that. Now listen to this again. Now listen to that. Oh, see, it's the same guy.
2: Oh. Wow. <laughs> and then he would have gone. Why are you playing the Wii version still? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful,
6: gentlemen. Thank you again.
2: Thanks.
1: Hey, no problem.
6: Right. You guys take care.
1: Thank you very much. Y'all take care, too. Thank you for spending the time with
6: us. (laughs) Good night.
1: All right. And there they go. Mr. Sterling Hershey, Mr. Gary Asselford, two of Star Wars Saga Edition's finest right there. And uh, wow, this show is just going to turn out to be one of the best shows we've ever done. I think so. (laughs) I think so, too. All right, quick uh, quick stop off for Fragments from the Rim, and then we will see you guys on the other side. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to
8: Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service
5: to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment 14 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen a soldier talent entitled Man Down from page 18 of Scum and Villainy. What it says is that whenever an ally is within six squares that is reduced to zero hit points, you can immediately move up to your speed toward that ally as a reaction. And this movement does not provoke attacks of opportunity. If you have a medic character, this is ideal. It gives you the ability to get there quickly and, most importantly, to be able to use the Revivify aspect of the Treat Injury skill, especially because Revivify is a full round action. It'll give you the opportunity to get there and bring somebody back from death. So, all in all, a very useful talent if you want your character to be able to heal people easily and quickly in combat. Over to you, Trevor.
8: And today I'm going to talk about the feat from page 24 of the Scum and Villainy book called Resurgence. And what's really cool about this is that whenever you catch your second wind, you immediately gain a move action to be used immediately. It doesn't say the movement. It says a move action. So you could draw a different weapon. You could do all those other things that you can do with a move action. Or you could move. And then you can do whatever you were going to do with the rest of your turn. So you take your swift action to take your second wind, you take your move action, whatever it's going to be from this lovely feat, then you can still move and attack. Or you can do that in any order you want. And I think that's really nice because the one element of the Star Wars role-playing game is the idea that movement and position is very, very important to the success in combat. Partially because of all the use of ranged combat partially because your armor class is not like it is in other games where it is easily modifiable. It's pretty well very linear progression and because the use of concealment and cover is an excellent strategic thing. So having additional movement is always, always a good thing to have. And the fact that this becomes free movement or free move action makes this a a really worthwhile feat to consider. If you want to talk to us or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Alex and I at order66-fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, keep having fun gaming.
7: Thank
8: you, masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Come on down to Tasha Station 24-hour fly-through, Speed of Parts, Cybernetic, and Don't Give Bounty Hunter Discount Jetty Outlet. We still have those
10: limited edition Order 66 collectible anniversary tunics and more on the way. Come on by and get yourself some Squid Sauce, Hut Wax, Armor plate, and Droid Hacks, one of the kind lightsaber crystals, and slightly used Imperial surplus armor. That means everything you need for an up-and-coming bounty hunter or security team. Comlinks, Maglocks, Blast Techs, and Holocron desk and dash ornaments. Sixty-six seasons of sales and service. So come on in person or see us in our Holland Data Store. We got what you need here at Tasha Station for our fly-through, Potter, blaster, speeder parts, cybernetic, and don't get bounty hunter discount. Jedi outlet. Toshi, Toshi, what the galaxy needs. Just outside of anchorhead on Tatooine, off the Corellian Run. Well, there you go. Fragments from
1: the How about that? Thank you Good very job. much. Thank you, Alex and Trevor. All right. Thank you. Good job, Mr. Chris. Do you want to introduce our next two guests?
6: Oh, I think I will. I'm going to introduce uh the more important one first. A man who's never been on our show before. <laughs> um, the Jedi Counselor himself, Mr. Gary Sarley. What is up, Gary?
7: Oh, not much. How are you guys doing?
1: Well, we're fantastic. We're Very having, good. And we're having our little audio issue again. This we is... are
6: having a little audio issue again. We're getting the wappa 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 wappa.
1: The wappa wappa. The there okay, you go. Okay, how about now? There you go. That's, oh, that's much better. better. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Okay.
6: And, of course, joining us is a man of next to no importance a man who begged us to be on this show we (laughs) just just ruefully said okay maybe because you're nice uh but seriously the man of the hour mr rodney thompson what is up sir
10: oh you know just glad to be here to celebrate your 66th awesome podcast hey
1: (laughs) you know we appreciate it more than you know and chris you were Your Skype was busy gacking when Rodney let the cat out of the bag, but uh, Rodney, if you'll tell Chris again so he can have a little orgasm what you've brought us.
10: Uh, Sure, yeah. So, uh, in honor of the 66th episode being such a monumental anniversary for you guys, and the fact that uh, you guys have always been so good to let me come on here and uh, do a little bit of promotion for the line, I have... Two special surprises for later in the episode. I don't want to, wait. I don't want to do it right now, but uh, towards the end of our segment, I have uh, a preview that I'm going to read you from um, the Jedi Academy training manual, and also I will be doing a dramatic reading from a small segment of Galaxy at War.
3: Ye- oh!
6: <laughs> <laughs>
10: See, there it is. There's his O-face right there. You guys saw it.
6: That's my O-face? Ooh, okay, I'm happy. Well, let's get through this, for Pete's sake.
1: Yeah, see, now you're in a hurry. Now you want to go through all the questions just that fast.
10: No, no, no need to hurry.
7: <laughs> no need to hurry.
1: All right. Uh. Okay, so uh, we just jump in with questions again, if you guys don't mind, just like we did with the other guys.
7: Yeah, that's fine.
1: All right, cool. All right, so uh, Tarong Jedi posted uh, a question for you guys about the dual gear item enhancement that sparked uh, a little bit of... uh of nerd debate on our forums, and simply uh, it says this: If you modify an item with the dual gear upgrade, does the second item still have to uh, still have its own upgrade slot? For example, if you dual gear a uh, a glow rod into a blaster pistol, can you then apply a secret compartment to the glow rod? Sure, that's not abusive, but <laughs> perhaps I should have asked about the glow rod that contains a miniaturized blaster rifle with a targeting scope and bipod. See what I mean?
6: <laughs> this is a good question does dual gear use an upgrade slot from both items
7: I wouldn't let uh, both of them have uh, uh, their own separate upgrade slots uh, but I don't know what's Rodney think
10: well, actually, yeah, I, I did a little bit of uh, thinking about this, and I think the real key is to realize that you're not actually taking necessarily an actual glow rod or whatever and sticking it into your heavy blaster pistol. What you're doing is you're combining the functionality of those two items, right? So it's right. it's sort of like this virtual this set of components, right? Not necessarily a a full-fledged you know glow rod. So what happens is when you make a dual gear item, you have you know your your main item, and then you take the functionality of the second item and basically build it into the primary one. What this means is there is no... there is To to paraphrase the Matrix, there is no Glow Rod, right? You are merely <laughs> inserting the, the functionality of the Glow Rod into your blaster. Now, you obviously have to have an actual blaster for this to happen, um, right. but you don't have to first buy a Glow Rod. You're effectively paying for the functionality of it. So... With that in mind, there is there are no uh, you know upgrade slots for this virtual item that that gets inserted into the dual item as well. So uh, in effect, you cannot modify the second item being put into the first with dual gear.
6: Wow, there you so go. That's that's even even more more than I I, I was just saying. Wow, okay, it's just it takes up upgrade slots in both. So you're saying I, I for example, if I if I got a blaster pistol and I want to throw a glow rod into it. Um, I could, you know, the Blaster Pistol has the one slot I can use, but I could say strip it and then add another slot if I wanted, right? But I can't do that same thing with the Glow Rod because the Glow Rod is, in essence, a new uh, part of the Blaster Pistol now.
10: Yeah, basically, right? That Glow Rod never really existed. You basically just bought the parts and pieces to create the functionality of the Glow Rod.
6: This makes See. sense. See, At least that's
10: the perspective I take on it. I mean, by yeah, by a super strict reading of the rules, you could theoretically say, oh, you're actually physically combining two items. But then that actually creates a what I call the infinite loop of item co- combination, <laughs> whereby I could use the dual gear uh, modification on the second item as well, and then on the item that you put into that item, and then the item that you put into that item, and then you put the <laughs> item into that item, right? Yeah. And it basically becomes like this Russian doll of, of gear. Right? It's, a, it's a blaster pistol, glow rod, comlink, camouflage netting, X-wing. Right, and It's just like, what? <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, this question uh, actually sparked off two others about weapons modifications that we had in our forums. Um, Dave, you want to take those away?
1: Okay, sure. Darth's pseudonym here says when you strip for design... Does the weapon become an exotic weapon, or is it only exotic for purposes of proficiency? The reason I ask is that if the weapon actually becomes exotic, then it suddenly requires feats and talents that are exclusively for that single one-in-the-whole-galaxy weapon. Blah, blah, blah. A soldier who extensively modifies his rifle, her name is Vera, (laughs) and strips it for design, would suddenly be unable to use his weapon focus weapon specialization and devastating attack and uh, you know I think you 're overthinking it, Darth um, go have an advil
6: <laughs> well, it makes sense to me that it 's only for prof- proficiency sake, but I-, I could be wrong gentlemen
7: well my, my first inclination would be that it's it was really for the proficiency the idea is that you're making the uh, um, you're doing something to make the item uh, so specially tailored that you have to put a little extra effort into it, and that's represented by one feat. Um, it, I, right. I know I didn't mean for it to be like uh, uh, okay now you have to beat your took for this thing that you're supposed to be really good at, um, but you know technically I could see somebody reading it like that, but that certainly isn't how I would how I would enforce it.
10: Uh, well I, I actually going to take the opposite uh, opposite way of looking at it if you've modified uh, blaster to the point where it no longer you know, basically uses the same proficiency, then yeah, you you treat it as an exotic weapon, which means you need to have the right feats for that exotic weapon. Now, that being said, if I got to the point in a campaign where one of my players was creating this this new exotic weapon for all intents and purposes, and he had invested all of his uh, feats and talents into the original item, I would actually say, you know, that's a good... At that point in time, when you create that, you you can basically dedicate your character to that weapon and basically say, you know what, I am I am so invested in my weapon that it it has become a, a part of my character, and I would let that person swap out those feats and talents that he had invested into, you know, the pistol or the rifle or whatever for that exotic weapon. Alternately, I would encourage him to go into, say, uh, Gladiator and pick up the uh, talents that let you use all exotic weapons and convert all of your talents over into, you know, that particular exotic weapon as well. So um, by rules, yes, it becomes a new exotic weapon and you have to have the talents and feats for that exotic weapon. But once again, you should probably remember the cardinal rule of being a game master at this point, which is don't be a jerk. And if your player really wants to invest <laughs> in in his weapon as 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 a core part of his character, right? I mean, you talk about Vera; everybody thinks about you know immediately when you mention Vera, everybody thinks of Jane from Firefly. Part of his character is that he is the guy that carries the big gun and the things that explode, right? So it it you know in that case, I think you should let your player you know build his character. To, you know, the way he wants to, right? You shouldn't necessarily punish your player, but your player may have to make a choice, right? Do I create an exotic weapon and invest, you know, my talents and feats in that, or do I keep it as a rifle or what have you, and that'll give me a little bit more versatility down the line? Yeah. Wow. Well, so there I, it you sounds,
1: go. I, I, no, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, but I mean, I think you guys are really kind of saying the same thing, but not really. Just, just kind of in a different way. Yeah, that's what um, I'm thinking. It, it, we're, we're,
7: we're both we both seem to be of the opinion that if the player has invested so heavily in this, you know, one thing that he does, it, you know, if you know, and you're like 16th level, and you finally you know make this modification, it'd be, you know, kind of counterintuitive to say, okay, now you suck with this weapon, you know. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, if you if you you know let them retroactively change uh, their feats or you know or something to that effect, you know. Uh, you know, whatever way you get around it, you just want to you want to make sure that 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 character continues to be the badass that he was because right, he right. shouldn't take a step back at any point. You know, but uh, but it I guess I guess as long as as long as you're not you know abusing the system in any way, I mean you're still spending a feat. You know, so right. yeah, let, you know, go ahead and retroactively change things, whatever works.
1: So yeah, so basically, you can, as a creator, you can use it, but Joe Schmo who finds your weapon has to spend feats to be able to use it.
7: Yeah, I, yeah. I think, I th- personally, I think like letting the, you grandfather it in if you're the person who made it, you know, because um, you know you basically tailored it for you, you know. So you know, let let you apply the fees, but you know, somebody else. It's uh, I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but whatever Rodney says.
1: Yeah, whatever Rodney says. That's what <laughs> we always. Yeah. Whatever, whatever
7: Rodney says is what is what goes. Whatever that guy says, right there.
1: Okay. So related question from Elias Windrider, Mister Professor with the glasses. He asked uh, this clarifying question. So, um,
6: well, the, the discussion got on like stripping and enlarging weapons. Right, right, exactly. Both of, and both so, of which yeah. which give you upgrade slots. Yeah, so, so you can
1: you can make upgrade slots or, or create upgrade slots. So you, it's been clarified already that you can you can only strip a weapon once, right? So his question was, can you gain an upgrade slot by stripping? Um, and another by enlarging the weapon. Can you do it that way?
10: Uh, Well, actually, I looked this up earlier just to clarify, and there are uh, rules in the book that cover this that I am flipping to right now. On page 37 of Scum and Villainy, it says... Um, Under gaining upgrade slots, you can gain more upgrade slots for a piece of equipment by one of two methods. You can strip it, removing some existing feature as detailed below, or you can increase its size. Unless a method of adding more upgrade slots specifies it can be applied more than once to the same piece of gear, it can't. Therefore, my understanding, and at least the way that I have ruled over the past, let's see here... X months since this book came out is that no, you cannot do both. You can do one or the other, but you cannot do both.
7: Well, it does yeah, that, kind that of. That was state. my. Uh, yeah, that was my understanding too when I was when I was um, um, uh, editing that chapter. Is that uh, uh, stripping and uh, enlarging are both basically different versions of the same thing? You're in some way, you know, uh, hobbling the the item's original characteristics, and uh, it's just they're just you know <laughs> uh, what you know one of the, you could think you could think of uh, enlarging as as a stripping of size, but it would just be really counterintuitive to say you're stripping it when you're actually making it bigger. You know that's the only reason it's really listed separately.
6: Got it. Well, that makes sense. Well, okay, let's let's expand this discussion then. I mean, talking about equipment modification design in general. Now, I mean, I know, Rodney, you stated a few times that the initially the, the intent was to go for a more generalized system of equipment in this game. But I know we had this conversation briefly when uh, Clone Wars came out that as the books have come out, the upgrade system from Scum and Villainy and that the specific weapons with specific tweaks, such as those found in the Clone Wars campaign guide, have kind of started to move away from that. And this has given a lot of players what they want. And it's been angering others. Um, so, talk to me about the, the munchkinization of equipment. Is it is it the benefit of gaming, or is it the ruin of good gaming? I mean, what do you guys think in terms of equipment generalization versus the specification? How much of it is too much? What should be allowed, and when is it good or bad for a game?
10: Well, personally, I... <sighs> Sorry, I had a little bit of microphone difficulty there. Okay. Um Personally, my opinion is basically that we've we do better for the game when we make sure that everything meshes well together Now that doesn't always happen right. I understand that uh you know it may be hard for people to to realize, but yes, sometimes mistakes do occur um,
3: <laughs>
10: I, I kid, but you know basically yeah it's it's you're never going to have a perfect system my intention was that we would start with, you know, very generic stuff and continue to do so, but as time's gone on, um, you know, we've we've kind of exhausted a lot of the larger, you know, categories of weapons and have uh basically our designers have gotten to the point where, you know, there are there aren't any more general categories jumping out at them and they've started looking at specific models like in clone wars. That being said, it's my goal to make sure that you know we continue to go with more generic items and weapons that don't have specific models and that basically follow the same traditions as the core rulebook. Um, you'll notice, you know, Clone Wars is actually kind of an exception to the rule where it mm. talks about specific uh, models. But then, if you look in the Legacy Era Campaign Guide, uh, even though we mention specific models in the text, all of the weapons are. Are sort of general weapons that have their own functions and their own um, uh, their own mechanics intended to mesh with those of the core rules. So, I think going forward, we're going to try and continue to do that.
6: Excellent. Um, So, I mean, in 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 terms of your own play, I mean, do you have you found one thing to be good or the uh, good or bad in terms of of your own experiences? in terms of in terms of when you're playing have you, have you have you had situations where the specialization becomes a problem and you have over-munchkinizations and have you had situations where the generalization be, generalization becomes a problem in terms of your own players what do you find they have more of a desire for
10: well my my own players actually tend to lean more towards the okay you know I just want to take a blaster pistol and I want what's interesting about my character to be you know my talents and feats and stuff like that so i think that my personal experience has, has leaned more towards the sort of philosophy that we created in the core rulebook and in a lot of the different uh, rulebooks that have come out since then. I don't know, you know for certain that my experiences reflect those of the general population as a whole of all Star Wars players, <laughs> but I... I, I suspect that it, that it, it probably does. Now that said, there are always going to be people that want specific models or that want an upgrade system, and I'm happy to you know cater those people. Right? Like everybody, uh, everybody has different tastes. Right? It's just a you know it's it's a balancing act. Right? I want I want to make as many people happy as possible with these books. Um, and I I'll admit there are times where I want a little bit more robust or a little bit more technical. Uh, system. So when you get things like the Scum and Villainy upgrade system or the Starship upgrade system from Starship of the Galaxy, you know, there's there's a part of me that, that enjoys that too, right? Like everybody likes playing with Legos, right? Everybody likes playing with the uh everybody likes playing with the different toys, so you know, I, I'm not exempt to that at all. It's just it's just a matter of deciding when to do what. Right and and there's also such a thing as going overboard in both directions. Right, if you do too bland and too general of equipment, then people will be bored with it. But if you get too techie and too specific, it gets too hard to develop. It gets too hard to manage those mechanics, and it also you know it can bog things down and be intimidating to people. Right, so you have to sort of strike a balance and try and make both camps happy. That's not always going to happen, and I and I understand that. But I hope people will, I, I hope the people that want. More techie stuff. We'll see the examples that we provided, and we'll be able to translate that into something that they like, right? So, if, for example, you know, someone wants more depth in their starship or 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 weapon modification system, I hope that they will take it, take what we've given them, and then run with it on their own, right? Like, part of our job is to is to teach people how to be game designers, so in in a lot of ways.
6: That's an interesting take.
10: Yeah,
6: uh, Gary, what are your thoughts on it?
7: Um, I'm uh, pretty much on the same page. It's uh, um, when when we were uh, doing the you know development for uh, for the core rules. Uh, I, I know my philosophy was to try to make the system as easy as possible to you know lift modules out and add modules in you know so that you can uh, easily customize it to fit however you you like things to work. And uh, um, like the how generic or specific you want equipment to be, that's a great example of that. Where you can uh, um, uh, you can easily you know nudge the stats of something a little bit in one direction or another, and then make a new model of a of, uh, of gear. Um, and uh, um, and it's not necessarily unbalancing to do it. The 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 key is that it's an easy change to make if that's what you're into. But on the other hand, if you don't want to. You know, try to memorize the you know different like you know this is a D eight seventeen and this one over here. You know, uh, tr- just trying to remember what the different blasters are. Um, you know, a lot of people you know just okay, I just want something I can hold in my hand and shoot stormtroopers with. That's all I'm interested in. I don't really care you know what it's called. Um, it, you just want something that'll work both ways. Um, and so uh, so so yeah, as long as as long as you're uh, as long as you're playing a game that you and your you know uh, players enjoy it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter how you get there and so it's easier for us uh, you know making a game to um, to try to lead just enough of an example that you can customize it to fit however you play because I mean I don't play the rules as written you know but then I didn't intend to when I you know was working on the game I mean I introduced my own house rules to tailor it to fit you know how I wanted things to work and it, it uh um, and it's Pretty easy to 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 add and and you know to to to, uh, to add and remove elements to, to fit however you'd like it to work.
6: That's interesting because what I'm hearing from from both of you is is, <laughs> you know what, you guys can do stuff on your own. You don't have to have the books to tell you absolutely everything. <laughs>
10: That's certainly true. Um, I also think that it's a lot easier for a game master to make his own house rules when the core rules are both straightforward and transparent. I I know that um, in Saga Edition, we tried to sort of explain where things were coming from and where they were going, and, and D&D 4th Edition actually does this really well, the, uh, the idea of mechanical transparent, transparency, right? Basically showing people, you know, here is our very basic and, and hopefully straightforward system, right? It doesn't link into a whole lot of other things so that you can basically pull things out and insert other things. Now, over time, as books have come out, you know, out of necessity, certain mechanics start to interact with one another, but um, I think one of the design goals originally for Saga Edition, and you can see this in the weapons, but in other parts as well, was where you could sort of... What you can see is that there are these mechanics that, unlike necessarily previous editions, right, you have you have things sort of cordoned off into their own series of mechanics. And mm-hmm. hopefully you can pull those out and, you know, if if you don't want that, and then put something else in. Like the Destiny mechanic is a, is a good example, right, of something yeah. that was intended to be either, you know, pulled out or left in or something like that. So um, my hope is that over the last two years that the book has been out, uh, gosh, almost three, is that right? No, just two. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, over over the last you know couple of years, I hope people have looked at the books we've been putting out and seen how we tinker with things. And I, I think upcoming books are going to do an even better job of sort of teaching game masters how to do like you know armchair game design, right? Like I think one of the best yeah. parts of Scum and Villainy, for example, was the uh, skill DCs by level table. I really wish we could have put that in the core rulebook because that's a great thing for game masters to use in yes. crea- not, creating not creating not only adventures, but also figuring out—you know—hmm, what should what should the skill bonus for this computer system be, or what should the—you know—what what should I've got this CL7 poison? What what uh what attack bonus should it have? Right, it's this thing, these things that kind of teach the game master how to tinker with the mechanics, and it's made all the easier by a, a more straightforward base system.
6: Wow, I would definitely agree with that. Now, you were not in uh, on the cast earlier uh, when we had our, uh, our announcement section, our news. And so since we're talking about upcoming books, I just want to get an obligatory no comment from you about the fact that uh, Amazon dropped the ball on Galaxy of Intrigue uh, January 10th, 2010, with uh, you and uh, Eric Cagle and Gary Asselford. Can you uh, tell us anything about that, Rodney?
10: Well, Chris, you know that as a loyal uh, employee of Wizards of the Coast, I cannot con- comment on any book, real or you know not real, that may be uh, coming out in advance of those we have announced in our catalog. And at this point, we've only announced books up through S- the Scavenger's Guide to Droids.
6: <laughs> Thank you for that. No comment. Excellent. All right, next question. Dave, you want to take it?
1: Uh, okay. Um,
6: <laughs> was this one the one from Shen forty eight ninety one? Oh,
1: that was the actually that was the last question I had. I didn't have any more questions. Oh, okay. So if you get more, go ahead.
6: No, no, hit us up with it.
1: No, that's it. I don't have any more.
6: Oh, okay. Um, well then, I, oh, yeah, that's right. I got, I got this one in um, from uh, Shen uh, forty eight ninety one. Um, he posted up a question about mind trick, and uh, he he posted this up. He said, "I have a level one Jedi, uh, actually a Jedi." Uh, with the mind trick force power and the way he interprets this ability is too powerful in my opinion in our last session he put in a suggestion to an enemy's leader prior to combat that he return to his ship and leave the area now the core rulebook doesn't specify when this effect wears off nor does it specify uh, how strictly the target adheres to the suggestion my fear is that this ability will become too powerful in and out of combat by allowing him to ask targets to do something, rather than succeeding on persuasion or deception checks, or allowing other party members to do so. Now, the rulebook does state, Special, if you're making a suggestion, you could spend a force point to improve the target's attitude by one step, plus one additional step for every five points by which your use the force check exceeds the will. So here are my questions, simply. First, does the above quote imply that a character's attitude affects how successful or how closely the target adheres to uh, the mind trick suggestion? Would a change in attitude alter the success of future attempts on the same suggestion? And two, is there a time limit the individual continues to act on this suggestion? So, interesting question, um,
7: gentlemen.
10: I'll let uh, I'll let Gary tackle this one first and see what he has to say before I jump in.
7: Oh, just let me say something wrong and then say, "Oh, that's coming up." Yeah. The, uh, the the way that uh, the mind trick works, it's not um, uh, mind control or uh, or a charm spell from D and or dominate or anything like that. It's it's just that's the idea you put in their head for a minute. Um, and uh, so it's like like uh, here's uh, think about episode two. You know, it's like you don't want to sell dead sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. Um, does that mean he's going to go home and just sit there thinking until he dies? No, of course not. He's, he just has that in his head for a minute. Oh, I, I want to go home. Um, he'll go home, think about things for a minute, and then probably go out and get back to what he's doing the next day. It's more that than it, just make him you know, um, reconsider what he had been doing. Um, and the same thing would apply. It's like, you, you want to leave, you know? then go, yeah, you know, I want to leave. That's just what's in their head. Uh, but it's, it doesn't make it where they never want to come back. It doesn't change their uh, their motives or uh, desires or um, or what they uh, what they intend to accomplish. So it's like if you have a um, somebody telling them to to leave their uh, uh, the place where they have orders to, to be patrolling, you know they'll probably most likely leave. But since they have orders that tell them to go back, they would have a reason to say, you know what, I better go back just in case, you know. Um, so. My my take on it is that it is that use basically common sense about uh, how um, how would you react if you you know had essentially conflicting uh, uh, conflicting orders or conflicting uh, um, uh, uh, conflicting needs You, you you'd kind of you'd kind of want to do both but eventually you have to you know you have to deal with it you don't just automatically let one win all the time. Um so it, it, it so the so the more the more acute the uh the more acute the 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 conflict the the shorter that that you know duration is gonna be.
6: that makes sense
10: yeah i I tend to think of of mind trick as as kind of a short term thing. I would say that if you're looking for a good uh rule to make a judgment call, I would say that after about a minute the the idea is no longer fresh and no longer in the forefront of that person's brain so you know you, you might be able to distract someone for a minute or so that's why you know Obi-Wan Kenobi is able to distract the stormtroopers and then you know a minute later he, he and Luke are gone and are in the uh, Mos Eisley cantina so I, I think you can kind of count on on the effects of mind trick lasting for about a minute or so right it's a it's a nice way to sort of Sort of get past a situation non-violently, but I think that the moment you start trying to use it to game your way past every con- you know uh, every combat or to basically waltz through a you know the Death Star, then you to start thinking, okay, a minute later, what is this guy thinking? Right, he just got mind tricked by a guy to you know leave his post. A minute later, he's going to say, hey, what am I doing? I got to get back to my post, and he's going to go right back there right now the ability to shift a person's attitude with mind trick is a little bit different it's sort of like you're you know ingratiating yourself with them but attitude is sort of an out of out of combat thing that you know even if someone is friendly towards you, for example, they're not going to ignore you shooting their friends, right? And even if the imperial officer on board the Death Star is friendly towards you, he's not going to let you walk around in a restricted area. You might be his best friend, but he's not just going to let you waltz around, right? Becoming friendly or even helpful to someone doesn't mean they're going to, you know, violate everything they know to be right, or you know, get themselves force choked to death by Darth Vader, right? So mind trick is a is a short ser- short term solution that you know it can. Get you past about a minute's worth of events, but beyond that, you've really got a lot of problems.
7: That makes sense. Yeah, uh, if I if I could add to that, the uh, the minute is a is a very good benchmark. That's almost exactly what I what I would always use in my games. Um, I would work on the assumption. Sorry, my cat jumped next to my microphone. <laughs> uh, that uh, that basically it, it's like a minute, the length of an encounter or whatever. I, I think the uh, the time that you want to you know apply judgment on maybe it'll be shorter, or maybe a little bit longer is. Um, how long does it take before new information or a new, you know, thought would go into this guy's head? If you're in the middle of combat and you tell somebody, "Oh, don't shoot! I'm a friend," that's going to last for about one round if you're still shooting back in that direction, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, 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 you know, so it's going to be a very, very, very brief uh, interlude that you know kind of confuses them for a moment. moment. Um, but if it's something that you know doesn't really intrude on anything else that they're doing, doesn't you know interfere with what uh, you know, like in, in the case of somebody who has orders to do X, Y, and Z. If you're giving them something else that doesn't interfere with that, you know that they might persist, you know, a little bit longer. But, you know, but that's what jams are for. <laughs> you, uh, uh, you All look right. at it and, and uh, decide how long you want it to last.
6: That makes sense. Well, okay. So, considering what you guys have said, let let's talk about what what I like to call "I win" buttons. A lot of people, I mean, especially if they incorrectly play mine trick, consider it to be one. Um, especially if you're dealing, though, I mean, even even if you play it as written, when you're dealing with a lower level foe, foe, and you use that the fear aspect of mind trick to make them, you know, run away for a minute. Um, other things like intimidation, for example, often cited as being too good, too powerful. You know, one one really good check, and I could take somebody out of the fight. You know, but when a, when a GM tries to run persuasion with with, with that much awesome sauce all over it, um, uh, you know. W- and it can often lead to problems in his game. But if he tries to scale it down, he's often the brunt of anger from the player doing the persuading in that particular instance. So what about thoughts on this guys? I mean, Talk to me about I win buttons and and abilities that you think might be just too powerful if they're played incorrectly and and how to handle situations when it comes up in games. Because a lot of the questions we sometimes get from new GMs especially is saying, hey, you know, I got a player that's using this rule to walk all over me. It's in the middle of the game. I never thought about it happening this way. I I don't don't feel comfortable just making a rule on the fly or if I do, I'm asked to justify it. I mean, what what are your guys thoughts on, on that?
10: I think it's easy for, especially new game masters, to forget that it's well within their rights to make rulings on rules that seem, you know, out of place. And to be honest with you, there are going to be times where you, like, I'm just going to say right now, if you're game mastering Star Wars, there are going to be times where you're going to see something and say, hey, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that should work like that, right? And... That's just an accepted part of of game mastering. So if you are a new GM and you're listening to what I'm saying right now, don't be afraid to make a call. But above all, remember, when you make a call to do... um, these few things first of all give it a a moment's consideration before you make the call once you make the call remain consistent about that at least throughout the session uh if not throughout the rest of the campaign and then third don't be afraid to do an after action report right you don't want this to slow down your game but after the you know after you make this call Run with it for the rest of the session, and then after the session, then have your discussion with your you know your players about whether or not that was the right call or not um, we 're not going to get everything right there's just there's just no way that you know, any any game developer or whatever will catch every single thing. And there's always going to be issues uh, that come up. And then there's going to be issues that come up that we did get right but don't work for a very particular situation in your game where you're going to have to make a call. right? Even if we got everything right on the development side of things, there are going to be things that pop up. And we, we expect that. I, I really wish we had talked more about improvising and um, making judgment calls and stuff like that in the core rulebook Because I think that the rules actually work best when they handle most situations, and then we give you, the game master, the tools to adjudicate the very specific situations, right? Um, Intimidate is one of those examples where we create a blanket rule that is really geared more towards a very specific situation that, when applied to many situations, can be... Well, you call it an i win button, but it, it really just is significantly more effective than <laughs> other comparable things right I mean it might not necessarily be you know game breaking it 's just significantly more effective so give, going with the, running with the example of of using persuasion to intimidate and cause people to run away and stuff like that, if we had given more general rules for persuasion instead of hard coding the actual effect into the skill. Then we could have also provided guidelines of, hey, here's how you can use this in several different situations, you know, that are a little bit more more tailored to that. It's it's actually a, a design philosophy that I'm I'm really just came to understand uh, about you know two and a half years ago when I first started working at Wizards of the Coast that there are there are significant advantages to not only creating um rules that apply to most situations and that are more you know simple and straightforward and then teaching your game masters how to adjudicate on the fly and and part of that's part of the reason why I'm so enamored with the you know like the the sample DCs table that we put in scum and villainy is because we can use that as a way of providing a simple rule like a, a straightforward rule about say um those different missions that are in scum and villainy and then let the game master design the specific mission using the tools that we give you right it, it's like Instead of providing a rule and some minor tools, it's like providing a lot of different tools. If that makes sense.
6: Mm. DM Tim uh, from Radio Free Homeless in the chat room right now. He says he says he's agreeing with you. He says make systems, not rules, then teach improvisation. And I don't know. That's a interesting piece of wisdom. Gary, thoughts?
7: Um, I'm, I'm on the same page. So that uh it's impossible to have a rule uh, to have a rule that covers every single thing out there. So it's much better to make a framework that, you know, uh, gives you enough to cover the most common things that will come up. And then, if you encounter um, a, a particular way of using a rule that, that, you know, wow, that seems weird. This is a little overpowered, or or, or for that matter, it might be underpowered. Something might seem, you know, it's like, well, you'd think you'd be able to do more than that. I mean, just if something seems odd to you and it gives you that moment's pause, then you as the GM should, you know, just say, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to do it that way for right now. Let's do it this way. Um, just don't be afraid to exercise that power. It's just, you know, you know, you have to establish it with the, with the players that, um, um, that, that if you're going to, you know, basically pull rank and say, okay, let's not have it run quite that way today, let me. So I give me some time to think about it before the next game. Um, it, you know, do have them um, have them understand that, that you can change. Um, uh, you you might you might you know at the next game say you know I gave it some thought and I, I decided that okay let's have it run this way or the the other way or whatever. Um, I think the one time you need to be careful is if a if a, if a player has. Um, you know, just spent a, a, a feat and a talent or something to try to game the system for a particular skill, and then you say, no, nah, I don't think it's supposed to work that way. Um, and, you know, the player obviously is going to feel like, okay, come on, I just put a whole bunch of, you know, I just came up with this really cool thing to do. Um, that's where the GM kind of has to, you know, um, say, okay, since the rule doesn't work the way you thought it would, maybe we can, you know, adjust your character a little bit. Um, instead of you having what you would now think of as a, as a wasted feet, because you wouldn't have taken that feet if you knew that it didn't work that way. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's, there's, there's no way to cover every situation like that. And that's why we have it. That's why there's a GM.
3: Well, there you go. That's
6: why. <laughs> And, uh, Rodney, don't beat yourself up too much about lack of stuff in the core rulebook. I think you guys crammed enough in there. And a lot of people seem to be pretty happy with it, especially from the fact that, by the way, congratulations, uh, you guys are nominated for an Origins Award, which uh, thank you. I think is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait until May to find out, or until, uh, until a, a few weeks. Um, well, no, it's what? Origins is what? Uh, June. June. June, that's right. Yes. Uh, 24th to 28th. That's right. We just talked that's about right. that. Um, and you're going to be there, correct?
10: I am going to be at Origins this year. I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I've been nominated for an Origins Award before, but I've actually never won one, and it would be nice if Saga Edition could, uh, could walk away with one. We're nominated in two different categories, um, although we're also competing with ourselves because uh, we've got the core rulebook nominated in the same category as the 4th Edition Player's Handbook, which, you know... Gosh, that's uh, that's a pretty big competition, and then we've also got the Knights of the Little Republic campaign guide nominated in the same category as the Forgotten Realms campaign guide. So I'm hoping that you know we don't cannibalize ourselves too much there. And also, uh, I have a third book. Nominated in the uh, best supplement category that I wrote for Green Ronin Publishing, uh, Buccaneers of Freeport. Uh, I didn't write it by myself, but I was part of the writing team on it. Uh, it was actually my last freelance project before I started working at Wizards of the Coast. So, I'm I'm hoping you know I, I'm hoping to walk away with something. But if not, it's just an honor to be nominated, and it really says a lot because the nominees are not only chosen by uh, you know, a group of our peers, but then they're voted on by retailers at Gamma. So that means that not only do other people like what I've been doing in the industry, but also you know, retailers have seen that their fans like it. So I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm very happy with Saga Edition. I think it's um, a great game, and I think I mean I have a lot of fun with it. and I think a lot of people out there do too. But there's there's always going to be times where I wish I'd done something something different, or where I can see room for improvement. So uh, if I ever say, "Man, I wish we'd done this," then it, it's not—it's not, it's not that you know we're not happy with things. It's just you know, there's a, there's always there's always things being learned and always more that can be done.
6: Excellent. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for your time and effort. We have been littering the airwaves with our voices for some time, and uh, I think we're going to draw this episode towards somewhat of a close. And uh Gary, it was fantastic to talk to you again, and Rodney, as always sir, thank you for taking the time to to come on and share your wisdoms and uh from 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 all of us here, guys, good luck at origins and um and I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there now, Rodney, that uh we we donna show we'll better have you back here in just a couple of weeks to talk about um uh the jedi uh the the jedi book coming out and speaking of that
7: yes so, Speaking uh, speak-
10: Speaking of that,
6: you, you mentioned that you had uh, a little something that maybe I'd like to hear.
10: I do. So I have here, I have an actual copy of the Jedi Academy training manual here in front of me. And then I have an early galley printout of Galaxy at War, which uh, for those of you who aren't uh, employees at Wizards of the Coast, a galley is a just a printout on... Uh, basically big pieces of paper that shows us what the book's going to look like and we go through several rounds of galleys to um, basically scratch out uh, things that don't fit or change, make minor changes and stuff like that. It's sort of the last step before things get sent off to the printers. So, I'm going to give you guys a little taste of each of those, uh, as as thanks for such a great podcast and everything. But, before I do so, uh, well, actually, as a part of that, I'm going to let you guys pick um, the previews that I give you from the Jedi Academy training manual. And the way that we're going to do this is I'm going to give each of you, Chris and, and Dave, I'm going to let each of you pick a page number. And that page number uh, can be anywhere from page... Oh, uh, let's say 9 uh to page 160 because the first 9 pages are like introductions and and uh stuff like that. So page 9 to oh, let's say page 159, right? I want each of you to pick one page and I will I will tell you what's on that page.
6: 42.
10: I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were <laughs> going to say that. So, page 42 and I'll actually I'll, I'll I'll give you what's on the page 42 43 spread. Uh page 42 falls in our philosophy chapter. And in that chapter you find uh information on the you know the Jedi code and uh what it's all about. But the interesting thing about the page 42 to 43 spread is that's also where you'll find the rules for padawans and apprentices. Uh, and basically it's where we've included rules for taking on a Padawan and uh, and how to train them and what happens when they reach knighthood. The interesting thing about training a Padawan is that once you've trained a Padawan all the way to knighthood, which is a uh, – a, uh, it's, it's not a very long process because your Padawan will actually level up much faster than you – um, once you've trained a Padawan from, from first level all the way up through them reaching Knighthood, that unlocks the Mentor uh, Force Secret. And at that point, you can take Mentor, which we had mentioned before in Knights of the Little Republic, but we're now actually uh, putting out. So that is, uh, that's the benefit of that. It un- unlocks a special Force Secret that you could not otherwise take.
1: All right, and is going to expect that in our home game? whether whether the book is out or not but you know
6: done I'm telling you right now Salura just took a bad one so yes done and done
10: All right. so that was that was Chris's choice so Dave let me hear yours I'm
1: I'm really surprised that Chris didn't go for it because we are after all the order of 66 so I'm going to choose 107
10: 107 no actually (laughs) I'm going to choose 66 of course (laughs) good call good call right. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, All right. Page 66 and 67 fall in the middle of, well, not quite the middle, of our Equipment and Artifacts chapter. Specifically, our section on holocrons. Uh, Page 66 itself talks about using a holocron in combat, the kind of benefits that you can expect to get from them. Uh, It includes stat blocks for the Jedi Master holocron gatekeeper, as well as the Sith Lord holocron gatekeeper, allowing you to determine what those uh, holocrons know. Page 67, which is the other side of this spread, includes the beginnings of the rules for creating a holocron.
1: How awesome is page sixty six being the Holocron. Oh, speaking of that, are you gonna come on the Holocron? Or are you gonna play Star Wars, the old Republic, and be in our guild?
10: Oh yeah, absolutely. I you can pretty much count on me uh losing large chunks of my life to that game.
6: Oh, that's
1: fantastic. See, now we've got lots of famous people gonna be in the guild because Whitworth's I... gonna be in the guild,
10: you know. It's gonna be awesome.
3: It's going to be
10: very awesome. Yeah, but I think people are going to like the rules for uh, creating a Holocron. Uh, and like the uh, like the um, training a Padawan, this also gives you the ability to not only create a Holocron, uh, it also unlocks a special Force secret as well. Woo-wee!
1: My awesome. gosh. See, now this is the kind of stuff. Uh, I, I feel so honored that you
10: would do
1: this for us. Sure. It's so fantastic. <laughs>
10: Sure, I'm well, the book, the book actually comes out next week, I believe, so uh, it's not that far in advance of a preview, but, uh, you know, I thought you guys would like it. Heck yeah.
6: Still, still, that's awesome. Now, you you also mentioned you had something for Galaxy at War?
10: Yeah, now, keeping in mind that Galaxy at War is uh, still not even off to the printers yet. It's a September release, so you guys are getting this preview uh, four months in advance. But I did want to go ahead and tease everyone with a little section that's going to be in here. And I hope that people are going to like it. Today's dramatic reading comes <laughs> from the section on advanced cybernetics, which is something that people have been uh, wanting for some time now.
1: Oh, wait. Primer. You know what? If it's a dramatic reading, then we need to give you some dramatic music. Word. Lay um, on me. I'm not, sure what. I'm not sure what this is, but... We'll see what it sounds like. All right.
10: Are we ready? Yes. Total replacement cyborgs. On rare occasions, a character can be so severely injured that most of his or her body is beyond recovery, yet essential organs such as the brain, heart, and lungs still function. In some of these cases, a risky technique known as a total cyborg replacement can be used to preserve the wounded character. This replaces nearly all of the character's body with cybernetic replacements, leaving a mechanical shell around a few preserved organs. General Grievous is the most famous example of a total replacement cyborg, but Darth Vader's injuries were so extensive that he too could be considered a total replacement cyborg. When you would normally die, you can spend a destiny point to preserve enough of yourself for placement in a total replacement cyborg body. Your allies must transport you somewhere capable of performing the delicate surgery, and a cybernetic surgeon must complete the changeover surgery, which is identical to installing six cybernetic prostheses. Once the process begins, all six must be installed consecutively without pause. If any of the surgeries fails, you die. If all succeed, you are returned to life, exactly as before, but now have six cybernetic prostheses and gain the cyborg hybrid special quality described below. You should work with your game master to determine your new appearance, which should be drastically different from your appearance before your near death.
6: Awesome.
10: Delicious.
6: I love it. So this is this is, you know, this could also be Darth Maul Chicken Feet too. <laughs> if you guys have read you know the EU comic with the chicken feet Darth Maul. Wow. Dude, that is I am so Oh, I can't wait. I know. Thank you, Rodney.
10: You are welcome.
1: <sighs> That's the best present we've ever had and it's not even Mother's Day yet. <laughs>
6: Uh, well I'm not a mother though you are Oh, sort
1: of yeah <laughs> my day is next month
6: tis it is oh, oh I'm so excited God. well again Rodney Gary thank you guys for coming on and uh, celebrating this 66th episode with us and thank you both again for your continued hard work in an amazing amazing game and the system that we both absolutely adore
1: Indeed. So. Good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no problem. My pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> what was that, Gary? Say that again.
7: Uh, just a pleasure to be here.
1: Ah, yes.
7: That's, that's it. I did not have anything of value to add. I'm just. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, you
1: have plenty of value. <laughs> I, I, to add.
7: Actually, since uh, since I uh, wasn't able to make it there in studio this time, uh, um, on a, uh, I, uh, I open uh, offered to come in to actually come in studio on a future episode. Just just let me know in advance. I'll be happy to drive down there.
6: Of course, done. Of
7: course,
1: we will. Done.
7: Okay. All right. Again, thanks for everyone. This is a lot of fun.
1: Oh, you bet, you bet. And Thank you know, you. you know what that means, uh, Chris.
6: Sadly, I do. I can't get too sad though. I'm still grinning my freaking ears off over <laughs> those previous. Um, but it's the end of an episode, so. Uh, this is our 66th episode, and it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much to, uh, gosh, everyone who's come on. Sam Whitwer, uh, Gary Asselford, Sterling Hershey, Gary Sarley, and, of course, Mr. Rodney Thompson. I'm GM Chris saying thank you all for listening, and peace, love, and good game.
1: That's right. I also must thank our contributors, Fiddleback, Alex, Trevor, Twi'lek goodness and of course the two Garys Sam and Rodney for showing up and Sterling and Sterling that's right sorry sorry Sterling for showing up and making this episode one of the best we've ever done and with that I will say keep them dice
0: D20 Radio where gamers roll
1: dreaming returns i'll be <laughs> maybe for a little bit of post-show activity maybe maybe sure why not yeah why not <sighs> absolutely let's see if i gotta, uh, I
6: gotta go change my pants
1: <laughs> oh that's a little bit much <laughs> <laughs> i know oh sarley dropped
6: yeah um, unfortunately he did um he did. Well, i think i think writing's the only one i mean i, I see i see uh, sterling still on but he had his um i know he had a thing to get to so right yeah uh, so That's okay. am I not
1: enough is that it oh no there's you're 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 more than enough dude I mean, you're,
10: <laughs> you are you are uh,
6: dude i'm envious I, you're going to origins man i don't get the chance to
10: that. Origins is a great little con in fact uh, back when I was still a freelancer I used to go to origins and Gen con every year because origins is the con you go to when you're a freelancer to actually get to play some games and Gen okay. con is the one you go to to uh, try and get work from people so it's uh, it's a nice it, it's a, origins is a nice con because there's you know even if you are there meeting publishers or whatever, you can also get a lot of gaming in because it's just much more laid back. And also, there's the big bar on too in uh, in Columbus, which is the bar in the hotel, the Hyatt, I think it is. Where basically after six o'clock, uh, everybody who's anybody in the gaming industry that's at Origins is up there, uh, basically uh, drowning their their sorrows at the bar. So it's uh, it's nice. I in fact, it was at Origins where I got to be good friends with a lot of my. Um, my fellow game designers, uh, especially guys at like Green Ronin and Paizo and, and all the places are all the companies that aren't Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I really got to know a lot of those guys pretty well at, uh, at Origins. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really nice, it's a really nice little con. It's very, very relaxing. And it's also a great place to play some kind of, um, some games that you wouldn't necessarily, uh, play before. I, I remember, uh, the last origins I went to, I played the City of Heroes role-playing game. I played the game called Forbidden Kingdoms. just like these kind of little um, smaller uh, press games that are that are a lot of fun and games that I just could never get together a group of, of, right. of people to play you know
6: yeah. well, I, I like cons just because you get the chance to do that so often. I, I play stuff at a con. I would never get to play on my own so it you know it's nice. Very nice. Do you know if you're going to be at Gen Con this year?
10: I do not. Um, Given the fact that they're sending me to Origins, it's probably unlikely that they'll send me to to Gen Con. Although I hope they do, uh, because I didn't get to go to Gen Con last year. And uh, even if they don't send me, I may go on my own. I I haven't decided whether I want to or not, um, because I am... Lucking out and using the trip to origins is also an excuse to head home to the great state of Tennessee to see my family and uh with that you know that kind of frees up money that I would normally be spending on a home visit so hopefully i'll you know even if I don't get sent by wizards I'll uh, try and make it on my own dime uh there's also the other complication that I really don't like flying um I am I wouldn't say I'm afraid of flying, but it makes me very uncomfortable, and also it's like six hours of boredom and discomfort. So um,
3: you there's avoid always, it, if at all possible,
10: yeah. There's that, right? It's it's one of those things that I really don't like it, but um, I'm coming to to tolerate it more as I work at Wizards because uh, actually. I had never flown before I went to Gen Con in 2001 in Milwaukee. Uh, And then I'd never been on a plane until I was, you know, 21 years old. Uh, And then it was another, let's see here. Another five years before I flew again in 2006, and, and that was when I came out to visit Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and then since like the fall of '06, I've flown a ton just because of work. Because when you work for Wizards of the Coast, you get sent to conventions, and then there was also flying out for the interviews, and then flying out when I moved here, and then you got to fly home for Christmas now. So I've had to get a little bit more used to it and yeah i, I see people talking about taking the amtrak of the train and stuff like that it's just uh it's a lot longer trip uh on the train so <laughs> it's kind of the kind of the bad part about living in seattle washington which is you yeah. know we're about as far wet northwest as you can get in the united states Yeah,
1: it's kind of like living in bangor maine yes exactly
10: only everything's on the East Coast, so even if you lived in Maine, you could drive there, right? Yeah, I got right. super spoiled living on the East Coast before because, you know, oh, okay, we're going to Columbus this weekend, six hour drive. We're going to Indianapolis, six hour drive. We're going to Chicago, eight hour drive. We're going to Orlando, you know, eight hour drive. We're going to Atlanta, four hour drive, right? Anywhere I wanted to go in the southeast or Midwest right I could pretty much drive there right like we flew to Milwaukee but even then I probably could have driven if I'd really really wanted to when you live in Seattle you can't drive anywhere it's like a four hour trip to Portland <laughs> right <laughs>
6: <laughs> well Dave you freaking love to fly man
1: yeah I do now now you know and, and quite honestly uh, yeah all the gamers that listen to this podcast know that my big Deal of, about not liking to fly was simply my size. It was so freaking mm-hmm. uncomfortable, and my hips would hurt. And it, yeah. But I mean, I, I've lost all this weight now, where I've lost a hundred and something pounds, and now like, you know I fit sure. in the damn yeah. airplane. And it's amazing how much I actually like to fly now. So
6: true, true story. This man calls me after landing from a business trip just to squeal about the fact that you didn't have to use a seatbelt extender.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was I mean, so literally, cool.
6: he was giddy. He's like, I didn't have to use a extender. I'm like, I'm happy for you, man. <laughs> no, that
10: actually, that really is great. And in fact, I've been, uh, you know, trying to work on my own health. But I have a little bit of a, a handicap. You see, my girlfriend is an awesome pastry chef, uh, which <laughs> oh. means that it's really, really tough for me to turn that down. Oh, dude.
6: Oh, that's that's icing on the cake. No bum. No, no <laughs> 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 that's so funny. Yeah.
1: All right. So, um, you know, post-show being post-show. Sure. What we need to do here is solicit a couple of questions probably out of the chat room. Are you game? I am game. All right. And you'll see these I'm also things. Rodney. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you'll see these things probably start flying through here. That happens. In like eight seconds because, of course, you know. They have a delay, so chat room. Yes. Don't wait for the delay. Wait, answer me now. Don't wait for the translation. See.
6: Well, now they're thinking about the question. Oh God, why, right. why, why don't I ask uh, Okay. Um, no. Uh,
1: all right. Do you have any questions? You have five seconds, chat room. Five, four, three, two, one. Well, that's that, not that's cool. It. <laughs> that's it. There's there are no questions.
10: Well, Apparently,
6: I've. Uh, withdraw. Full, that's Full On's question. The wrath of the withdraw. It's already I, been I'm,
10: answered. Yeah, I, I don't want to have any arguments with Full On Gamer today.
1: <laughs> if exactly so um huh
10: oh I see d m Tim's question about getting my d and d buddies on Radio free Homlet. uh so this is something i I haven't mentioned before, but um about uh six months ago, I actually became a full time d and d developer, and uh, I still do all my star wars stuff. But i am all, <laughs> I'm also full time on Dungeons and Dragons as well uh I'm a d and d developer uh, as well as a uh the Star wars designer developer and line manager so uh Tim, I will work on getting some of my fellow wizards employees to come on Radio Free Hamlet. Most of them are pretty cool about stuff like that uh, especially because they can do it from the comfort of their own homes um so yeah, and actually, if you guys want to give Tim my email address, that's fine, and uh, we can talk via email. Cool. Yeah, we'll done do. It.
6: And done. Cat uh, had a question. She wanted to know what was the what was the, what's the best campaign you've ever been in?
10: Whew. Um. Wow. So Star Wars. I think my favorite campaign was actually one that I ran. Um, this would have been like two thousand one or or two thousand and two, something like that. Um, basically. I invented the Legacy era. It was the far future of Star Wars, and uh, there are many similarities, right? Like the Empire wasn't necessarily evil, and there was an elite cadre of Jedi Knights that served the Emperor and stuff like that. And uh, we ran a campaign uh, in that game that was really, really awesome. And um, I was the I was the DM or game master for that one, and. Uh, my players. I had like a human replica droid. Only he was actually an Enzadi replica droid. And you know, it just just a great cast of characters. Like great players that really bought into the setting. It was it was really awesome. Um, best D and D campaign I've ever run or played. Uh, it's really hard to top the current D and D campaign I'm in. Uh, Chris Perkins is my Wednesday night DM, and he's. He is a god among men uh he is possibly the best uh dungeon master ever he's amazing <laughs> um, my my best campaign that I ever ran was uh the age of worms campaign that I ran right before I moved out here well i I started it well in advance, but uh ran the whole age of worms adventure path beginning to end and oh, yeah. uh It's awesome. I have a little shrine to that uh, campaign on my wall. I had uh, Jeff Carlisle, who is a good friend of mine who does a lot of illustrations for D&D and Star Wars. Uh, I had him illustrate my my players' characters and put them together in like a uh, a group photo shot and uh, wow. then I had Rich Burlew, who is the guy that draws uh, Order of the Stick, I had yeah. him also do Order of, the, Order of the Stick interpretations of them, so I have both of those shots on the wall and uh, a signed poster of the cover of the first issue uh, signed by Wayne Reynolds, so I have my little shrine to the Age of Worms
6: Awesome So Fiddleback had a question. He said, uh, "So, the uh, official Star Wars Saga Edition podcast is that uh, a done deal?" <laughs>
10: uh, no, it, it's it's not a it's not a done deal, right? It's not a uh, it, it's yeah. It's just called something the order sixty six. Resources, yes, right. I'm okay. <laughs> it, It's something that takes resources, and unfortunately, uh, resources that I don't have. Um, it is not dead by any stretch. It's just a matter of um, getting into the podcast studio and getting it done. Right. And, um, yeah. And also you guys are doing an awesome job, right? It's, uh, it's hard of me not to, you know, it's hard for me to say, well, could I really outdo order 66? Right.
1: Well, okay. That means a well, whole lot for uh, for you to say that, but, uh, that's... by the same token, well, it,
10: it's true, right? I mean, you guys have been here week in and week out. Um, missing very few weeks, you've done 66 podcasts. There, I mean, you guys do a, a better job that I can do by myself for certain. Uh, and also, you're you know entertaining and stuff too. Uh, <laughs> the, the advantage we have is that we can do things like our interview with with Sam, and we can talk about upcoming products. But uh, you know, also, you know, I've said it before. I'm pretty much it for for, for Star Wars design and development at Wizards. So I don't have a co-host, and it's hard to get on and do a a podcast without a co-host, right? Because then it just becomes you standing on the lectern, you know, speaking to the audience, and it's no, you know, it's no fun, right? So yeah, I need, true. I need a, I need a Ponda Baba to my Doctor Evason. See,
1: there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> that's a perfect answer, is what that is.
6: See, Thank I would have gone with, I would have gone. I need a Chewie to my Han, or I need a, you know, a Luke to my Leia. But you went for the, the, the <sighs> well, truly you know, a uh, nicely obscure reference I, I but, not, but not that obscure nonetheless. That's wonderful. Right, exactly.
10: <laughs> yeah.
6: Excellent.
1: Yep. Some
6: very, very very nice.
1: Well, um I have a surprise. Uh Mr. Hershey, Mr. Hershey, are are you there in the audience, sir?
2: Uh yeah, I am now. Hey.
6: Hey. Sterling is back. Fantastic. How's it going? It's, it goes, man. Did we pull you away from something dreadfully important?
2: Uh no, no. They my guests have now left. Um, we had a little bit of uh, dueling action on the uh, Force Unleashed on the Wii. And uh, we had a 10-year-old that was uh, totally kicking a friend of mine's butt. And <laughs> uh, so I had to go out there and show him how it was done, mostly. <laughs> all right. That's
6: Star- all shit kind of sucks. Uh, what about you, sir? Are you going to be at uh, Gen Con again this year? You told me you, last time we spoke, you said you haven't missed one yet.
2: Uh, actually well that's not quite true but yeah well, was going, you said it
6: was the one year you were overseas right there was
2: yeah there was one year since like nineteen 1990 or ninety one now since yeah, I've been to every every year except for uh the year that actually the original uh, the oCR was released and uh that year I was overseas and didn't de- and decided not to fly back but uh yeah I'll be there again this year awesome. I never really expected to go every year it was kind of funny the first year uh I went up with our our local game club that uh had some connections with t s r and uh we did some demos for them and did some work for the r p g a in later years but the, so the club sort of had this um this uh, way to get there and have get some housing either provided or cheaper and uh although not that first year on the housing and so it just worked out that I had to go um uh, each year for not a lot of money and uh that worked to my advantage because that's where I met you know the western games guys and uh Got things really started.
1: Nice. That's awesome. All right. So now I have to pose you the same question that I tried to derail. I tried to derail Rodney, but Rodney was actually very spelt in trying in getting me right back on the, on the straight and narrow. Are you going to play Star Wars: The Old Republic? And if so, are you going to
2: join our guild? Yes, I will play, and uh, sure, I will, I'll join your guild.
9: <laughs> See, how awesome is that?
1: Fiddleback uh, Fiddleback actually wanted to ask you guys if uh, Trooper was an awesome class. But uh, I've decided we'll we'll have you guys on the Holocron, too, and talk about that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I need to catch up on all the different updates. I saw the Trooper one. Um, Although, okay, I want to see if anybody else thinks this. It's nice that they're doing a lot of cues to, like, familiar Star Wars, uh, like artwork and things. But does anyone else think that they're drawing a little too much from the, quote, sort of future time? Like uh, maybe some of their armor looks a bit too stormtrooper like and things like that? Or is yeah. that just me?
1: No, that was the first thing that we said on the last Holocron that we did a few days ago. Is uh is that yeah, three thousand years and the armor still looks the same. Or three thousand years earlier and the armor looks the same.
6: Okay, okay, I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I, I get it, I agree, but by the same token, when you have when when Bauer's trying to draw in people that are just Star Wars fans, they're smart in their decision to do something that looks vaguely Star Wars. You know, there, there's, uh, I mean, a casual Star Wars fan has a certain expectation. You know what I mean?
2: Right. So.
1: Yeah, sure. I no, I, I understand. that. That's all brand recognition stuff
2: and pulling in people that, yeah, no. I understand. Yeah, I, 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 I recognize the importance of that. And, you know, it wasn't outrageous. It wasn't like a, an exact, you know, clearly they're, they're trying to make it look similar, draw on some of the same ideas, but yet change it. A little bit. Um, I I think the uh, the earlier games did had a little bit more uh, uh, uniqueness to some of that.
1: You know, and mm-hmm. what we're seeing yes. what we're seeing in that you know where he does the rif- rifle twirl, which I bet we're going to see in the game. We're going to see the that like emote or a rifle twirl. But I bet what we just saw is like the high end, you know, end game. This is what you're working your life for to get this armor. I bet you start with some piece of trash armor that you can
10: barely even recognize.
5: (laughs)
1: That's just what I'm guessing.
10: I gotta tell you, I mean, I I like it, and I think one of the reasons why I liked Knights of the Old Republic so much was because it was so familiar, right? Like, they didn't really do a whole bunch of crazy, drastically different stuff, but they picked up on, on a lot of the same themes, right? Like, you know, you fight a Rancor, and there's an evil empire, and they have these faceless shock troops and stuff like that. And while I can understand what you guys are saying about some of the armor looking a little too similar to clone troopers and stormtroopers, I think that in the end, what you're seeing is stuff that's specifically designed to evoke that, and that when we get the final game, there will be a much wider diversity of armor. But they want to have that stuff available for the guy that says, hey, you know what? I really like clone troopers. I want to play a clone trooper. And then for (laughs) everybody that says, hey, I want to play the very unique-looking guy, there'll be that stuff, too. Right. Or at least that's what I think will happen. Yeah, I I have uh, no inside uh, information. I'm
6: sorry. Sorry. How does does the guy say it again? He, He wants to play a what?
10: I'm afraid I can't do that again. But I could <laughs> tell you that there are some people that, hey, I want to play Woba Fett. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounded like uh, your, uh, your old neighbor, just for a second, Chris.
6: Oh, dude. Uh, big shout-out to my buddy Mike. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my OG gamers, The guy, one of the guys I learned 3rd edition with, is, uh, it's all like this.
1: All the time. It kind
6: of. All the time. It was kinda of like a grunting, like oh, hey, 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 yeah. You
1: yeah, you had to learn to speak Russell.
6: Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, and it like if I it was just kinda of crazy. And the guy used to be my roommate too. It took me about uh three months of knowing him to just start understand everything he said, and then it's six months of living with him to start speaking that way myself, which is a little scary. Um you know, I mean if like like for instance, if I was, if I was to walk into a room and go, you know, hey, hey Rod, how you, going? What you doing? Hey. which is, you know, hey Rodney Sterling, how's it going? What are you guys doing? Hey, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And he, he DM'd, too. That was interesting. <laughs> Especially you want, during dramatic you, moments. Yeah, you are getting <laughs> to... My, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, yeah, we she know. She falls to the we ground. Know.
6: She's got a knife in her back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've walked into a bar, and there's 38 people on your left, one of which is holding a knife. What do you do? <laughs> that's what he said by saying <laughs> that was that yeah that was it very very bad very bad I know but you know it's <laughs> all good it's all good so all right um I hate to say this but I kind of need to cut off the post show now
10: that's okay it's I've still, had a great time
1: it's a terrible thing and we've we've still got to go back and record the first uh first part of the show <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> we still got to edit all I this. <laughs> As funny, so, uh, as, as funny as that is, guys, um, you have no idea how much we appreciate you coming on the show and spending, antics. yeah, spending the time with us that you do. Um, we obviously are are very very fortunate to be in the position that we are to have the relationship with you guys, and we absolutely love the fact that we can help you guys on the back end. You know, if you if we help you move some product, great, but um, you know it, that's not our primary motivation. We just sure. love the game and you know we've we've managed the game has allowed us to forge a fantastic friendship with the two of you guys among others you know Gary and and uh uh the two Garys, and and then obviously now with Sam as well and that's
2: pretty much what I got to say
6: i know cool. uh, I, i'm i'm amazed by all of it every
10: single freaking day so
2: this has been fun. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, me
10: too. I actually didn't, I didn't hear any of Sam's uh, segment at all. So
2: And I was kind of distracted. I had, had it on, but I was kind of distracted trying to pull together some of the answers and kind of uh, take care of some other things. So I heard some of it.
6: It was, it was interesting. It was very good.
1: So. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, chat room, uh, there's somebody in there talking about Star Trek. If you guys start dropping Star Trek secrets, I'm going to punt you out of the chat room. I'm just telling you right now because I haven't seen it yet
6: I was going to go see it but it's too late tonight that's okay Uh, I'll see it tomorrow that's too bad take my (laughs) in-laws
1: there you go there you go All right, gentlemen thank you very much again Rodney we'll be back in touch we'll probably um, uh, if not next week the week after we'll have you back on and we'll talk about the new book again
10: I won't be available next weekend. Um once next every week, next weekend is ReaperCon anyway. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like uh, it, once every way. like six months or so, uh me and a couple of guys uh, I work with and then four or five of their friends drive up to Bellingham, Washington, which is like an hour and a half north of here, uh buy a keg of beer and spend an entire weekend doing nothing but playing board games. Dude, that's awesome. It is that awesome.
6: Sounds, that sounds like the best weekend ever. See and now
10: and Fiddleback that's, that's next is, weekend. Fiddleback
1: is gonna send you an invite for his podcast now too. <laughs>
10: yeah, I'm a, I'm a big board gamer, and I, I didn't used to be, but then I moved out here, and a lot of the guys I work with are into board games, and since then, uh, I've kind of become an addict.
1: See, and uh, it, Brian and Andy it's... live out there on that left coast too, and they're what three or four hours away from you guys. Where that? Uh, on the border Southern. of uh, the yeah, the border of Oregon and uh, Washington.
10: Uh. Uh, that's not that far away, actually. Um, Washington-Oregon border is about, I want to say, an hour and a half south of here. So it's not that bad.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, I told you, there it is. Can we sign you up for Game On? See, now Fiddleback's going to wait another eight seconds, and he's going to be... <gasps>
10: <laughs> well, he'll need to come up here to do a remote broadcast, obviously.
1: Oh, yeah, there you go. See, that's just perfect. Yep. Yep, so, yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us again.
6: Thanks, guys. Sure thing. My pleasure.
1: All right. We'll talk to you all again, um, Rodney, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Take care. All right. Adios. Bye, guys.